This is the Troll Patrol. Live with Justin Freakin. Welcome to the Troll Patrol. Live. It's a freaking Monday. Oh, we got a raid from Nine Tails right off the bat. Hello, my lovely friend. I I like to think of myself as the as the captain of a band of merry trolls known as the Troll Patrol. What is up, Meatcakes? Welcome, everybody. My name is Justin Freegan. If you're just joining us for the first time, I do a news rundown show. I was the news director of 11 radio stations. I was a writer for four different newspapers. Now I do the news on Twitch and your mom. <laughs> I'm not high enough for this shit. Hold on, what are we talking about tonight? I need to I need to break out the notes. Oh fuck, we're gonna get pissed off about the Uvalde cops all over again. So much has come out about them. They have hired a law firm to try to uh, keep everything under wraps. We're getting our first images from the interior of the school. We're, we're going to see inside the school that day. And what we learned was the cops never tried to open the doors. The cops just never tried to save those kids. I got a video of a man crashing his car through a Trump-themed store. Apparently, he was hearing voices in his head. Watergate prosecutor says the case in Georgia against Trump could send him to prison. I'll believe it when I see it. (laughs) We're going to do some international news tonight. Israeli uh, Prime Minister... Neftali? Always fuck his name up. He announced the dissolution of the Israeli government. New elections to take place imminently. Japan. Uh, so a, a bummer here during Pride Month. Japan has ruled that a ban on same-sex marriage is constitutional. Sounds like some people need to protest outside of their Supreme Court, much like they are protesting outside of our Supreme Court. Apparently there was a woman who doused herself in blood and had baby dolls outside of Amy Coney Barrett's house. Let me tell you, I'm all for it. I love the theatrics. We're going to talk about the Supreme Court bringing its term to an end, what the compromise might look like if they don't decide to actually abolish Roe v. Wade, what a compromise engineered by Chief Justice John Roberts might look like. We're going to meet the woman who could end abortion, the lawyer for the plaintiff. We're going to hear from Baby Roe. I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but like the actual Roe from Roe v. Wade, there is a baby. Abortion was illegal at the time. The, the, the woman who took the case to the Supreme Court to have an abortion had the baby long before the case reached the Supreme Court. She gave an interview nine, ten months ago. Nine, nine months ago. How ironic. Ha, ha, ha. She gave an interview like back in October. 
And we're going to hear from the actual baby Roe from the Roe v. Wade case. Here's your meme of the day. That's how I always start off the show. Uh, This is probably one of the weaker memes. Don't judge me on it, but I wanted to throw this out here because we're talking about Elon, and this made me laugh. Made me laugh far more than it should have. I will buy you a new horse. We're learning why Elon... Might have this weird, misogynistic, anti-trans stance now. Uh, his daughter apparently doesn't like him. Who who can blame his daughter? I'm, I'm sorry, I don't even know if I'm... I, I might have misgendered them. I don't know. Uh, I haven't read the story yet, but they have decided to change their name. Uh, and apparently they are trans, so... A little insight into the mind of Elon Musk. I also bring this up because we're going to be talking about inflation and Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos apparently agree on who caused inflation, which means, like, we should probably agree that whoever they're agreeing caused inflation is not the actual cause. We should all agree to raise the boards and uh, use them on Elon and... Jeff Bezos. The Prairie Dogs did it. God damn it, it's always the Prairie Dogs. They're so cute. Oh, shit. We're going to talk about the the Texas Republicans platform, which is insane, because we we watched a couple videos from the Texican. Texican. The Texas. Might as well, the Texican. The Texican Republican Party. I'm fucking it up. The Texas Republican Party held their convention, the state party, over the weekend. They have now decided on a platform, and it's bonkers! The January 6th committee wants to talk to old Mike Pence. Uh, And uh, I've got some other just random fucking crime stories, because I like doing that. Some sovereign citizens were arrested with explosives in California. We may be we may be into it, we may not. We don't know what their purpose was. Let's see what they were gonna do with those explosives. If they were doing if they were gonna do some fucking industrial sabotage with those explosives, maybe I'm down with it. If they were gonna harm some innocent people, I'm probably not gonna be down with it. It all depends on what you were gonna do with your explosives. But if you're a sovereign citizen, if you're claiming that you are a sovereign citizen, you probably were up to no good. Just saying I hate to judge a book by its cover, but them sovereign citizens, they're they're usually a wacky right-wing bunch. Just saying. Also got video of a bear breaking into a woman's home. I believe it was in Connecticut. I think the bear wanted some pie or something because the headline said the bear had a sweet tooth. Not the Sweet Tooth from the Twisted Metal series, which is apparently getting a TV show on HBO or some shit. That's a blast. Like, we're just reliving the past. Motherfuckers were right. If you don't learn history, you're doomed to repeat it. Apparently they're doing a Last of Us show, too. 
I don't know if I'm into that. I mean, I guess that is a story that like people that don't play video games, they, they deserve to hear that story. It was such a good story. But like, I, I like having something that like, it's, it's my domain over here. Down with the last of us show. I don't, I don't know who's cast in it. I don't know what's going on. I don't know who's doing it. It's, it's like, a, it's on a prestige network. It's on a Showtime or an HBO or some shit. So, I mean, it's probably going to be good. HBO doesn't make a bad show. Such a fantastic fucking, like, quite positive. And I, just, I said this about another game earlier. I was talking with my, my buddy. He said he was going to download the God of War. And I was like, oh, it might be the greatest game of all time. Last of Us might be the greatest game of all time. Like, I've got, I've got like, a, a handful of them that are in my running for, like, the greatest game of all time. You just, there's two of them right there. Last of Us was amazing. I don't know how I feel about, like, they're, they're remaking it, re-releasing it, because, like, I guess they're wanting it to, course, you know, coincide with the with the show coming out. They, they don't want people to play a 10-year-old game. They wanted to, want them to have the fresh experience. But I don't know. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to fucking drop $70 for a game that I've played three or four times already. But I do, I want to play uh, Last of Us 2 again to see what I feel. I played it when it first came out. I had it pre-ordered and everything. want to see what I think about it, you know, if I have the same opinion about it going back and playing it two years later. And, like, if you, if you guys know me and my memory, like, I've, pff, I've forgotten everything about the game. It's going to be like fucking playing a new game again. So, so it'll, it'll, be, it'll be nice to, to see what I think about it. I mean, clearly, I know, I know the the highlights of the game. Kind of can't escape it. I don't want to. I don't want to like mention anything. So I don't want to do any spoilers. Oh, I guess we gotta do the news, don't we? I love how tonight, like, I was like, oh, it's a holiday. There's not much going on. I've got shit to do. I'm gonna try to do a short fucking troll patrol. I got four pages of notes over here. It's- I'm gonna I'm gonna take you guys up to to meltdown Monday for sure. Um oh Flash, my my issues with the game is like it needed a little editing. Its pacing is a little off. Overall I liked it. It's it doesn't it doesn't hit the way the first one does. I think I think it's too long. Uh, by, by the time I got, you know, 22 hours, 23 hours into it, it was about a 30 hour game or so. Like by the time I got 22, 23 hours into it, like I was like ready for this to end. And it's also like, I had a girlfriend in college and like, I was trying to catch her up on Breaking Bad. Cause this was during like the last season of Breaking Bad. So I was trying to catch her up on Breaking Bad before like the last season started. And like we were, we would sit there. We'd watch three or four episodes in a row. She'd be like, "Gotta stop! It's too much. It's too heavy. Can't can't take this all at once." I'm like, "I'm dying to know what fucking happened. And I've seen it before." <laughs> but like, I, I I get what she's saying because that's the way I felt with Last of Us too. It was like, "Is is too much? It was it was too heavy to do for that fucking long." <laughs> 
But overall, like my opinion of it was very good. I, I didn't I didn't agree with a lot of the reviews, but that's why I want to go back and play it again and see exactly what I think of it and play it on a PS5 and, you know, just like the graphics will be that much better. Yeah, I had nothing wrong with, uh, God, what was her name? I liked her. I liked her a lot. The other character, I think that's what a lot of it is, is that, uh, you know, people were expecting to play as Ellie and Joel. You know, like, it's kind of like pulling the Metal Gear 2. If you remember when Metal Gear, uh, Metal Gear Solid 2 came out. And all the all the hype was, you know, around playing a snake again, and then you didn't get to be snake; you were rotten. And like people, that's why people hated that game at the time. But people look back on it now and are like, "Oh my god, it was a fantastic game." Because you, you what, what was the what was the blonde girl's name? She was awesome, and I love I love the telling of the story from the two different perspectives. Because. The thing I love about the first one is that the ending is so ambiguous. It's how you interpret it. Who was right, who was wrong. It's kind of a very moral gray area. And I feel like they tried to do that again with the second game. To give you this this heinous act early on that you was the player, this character that you've sympathized with, and then to see it from the other perspective and understand why she did it. I I thought it was very good. I just thought it was too long. But that's that is that is my critique of most video games nowadays. They're too fucking long. And I'm not going to play Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I've I've heard people say that that's like 70 80 hours to beat that motherfucker and I ain't doing it. I ain't doing it. Game like that should be 20 to 30 hours. Boom. Stop. And I want more games that are like 10 to 20 hours that are focused, that aren't big open worlds where you travel everywhere. I love an open world game. Man, I've never played uh, uh, Breath of the Wild. My my buddy has on the... Fucking love Witcher 3. Witcher 3 is... <laughs> here we go again. I, I've already mentioned two games I would throw up there in the, in the contention for my, my greatest game of all time. Uh, Last of Us... Uh, God of War, the the soft reboot, and then Witcher Three. Like that, that'd be like my 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 handful of games that would be in in the running for greatest game of all time. Metal Gear Solid. I don't and see, and that's another one. Would I pick Metal Gear Solid or would I pick Metal Gear Solid Three? Both of those games are revolutionary for different reasons. Guys are getting me sidetracked. We're supposed to talk about the news here. We're supposed to talk about the news. Also, like I'm going to open up the phone lines. Maybe somebody wants to call in and argue with me. I like to argue. 917-830-4359 is the phone number. I also uh, take Discord voice chat if you want to do that. That tickles your taint. We got a lot of news to do and I got I got I got shit to do later. We're in hell. <laughs> I don't, um, so, like, I used to be so averse to first-person shooters, but now I can play them. 
I haven't picked up like a uh, an MMO FSP FFS. F <laughs> getting my fucking acronyms confused over here. I uh, like I played uh, Metro Exodus not that long ago. God, that game was good. Motherfuck that game. I kind of want to read the book it was based on. That's so fucking good. I like story-driven games, though. That's why I don't play a lot of, like, multiplayer campaigns. What's up, Socrates? Oh, God, he ran away from me. I was just trying to pet you! I can't... I've, I've got Hollow Knight, but I've never played it. It looks fucking awesome. I really want to play Hollow Knight. That's my goddamn problem. I told... I told my buddy not that long ago... Fun and hard. That's the way I log it. I told my buddy not that long ago, like, I'm I'm going to die before I ever play all the games that are in my digital library. Now, I have too many. I have too fucking many. Death's Door? I've not even heard of Death's Door. I'm going to look into that. Yeah, and then they just keep coming out with new games. Got the trailer for the, the Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Cats, what are you doing? I've got a I've got a Mexican fucking standoff going on. No, it's not a standoff anymore. Maynard, leave him alone. Nobody go. They're just like children. Cats are like having children. I celebrated Father's Day yesterday. Um cat dad. Are you talking about PC games, Drake? Because I have no... I've not even heard... I've not heard of Death's Door. I've not heard of Tunic. Apparently, Kojima is doing a, a Xbox exclusive. So I'm going to I'm gonna have to dust off my Steam account and buy that game. Sign in to like a Game Pass or whatever you got to... Whatever you got to do to play it on PC... I want to switch it up with bongs. I feel like I've been smoking out of the same bong. I got my I got my little little fat kind of purplish one. I I don't I don't like it as much because like the got a weird top on it. Feels weird in your mouth. That's what she said. Is it Neftali Bennett? Is that the motherfucker's name? Without me looking. Israel has announced that its government is going to be dissolved. They will hold new elections imminently. And like, it's really quick with it. They're like fucking snap elections. They'll happen in like the next month, month and a half or some shit. And now to breaking news in Israel. The fragile coalition government has fallen, officially fallen, dissolving parliament, calling for new elections. This is less than a year after it was cobbled together. But for months, it has really teetered on collapse, unable to pass any significant legislation as smaller parties quit the coalition, breaking away, partly in reaction to the government's handling of recent violence between Palestinians and Israelis. This with President Biden planning his first trip to Israel as president just next month.
NBC's ref said. And remember, we just read the story the other day that the U.S. was like, please, Israel, please don't do anything that makes us look bad before we go over there. Please, Israel, don't do anything that makes us look bad before we go over there. Sanchez joins us now from Tel Aviv. Raf, the current coalition would stay in power, I believe, until a new government is officially elected, but then famously... Flash, Mass Effect is one of those that's on my list. I had a I had a girl that I was uh, I was with years and years ago. It was her favorite game. I wouldn't back then. I wouldn't play a first person shooter. Now I don't have that first person shooter uh, aversion anymore. And I was gonna get the the legendary edition. Just like as soon as I catch it on sale, and like I've I've caught it on sale and I had the money, and I was like, no, I'm not gonna like I've kind of got you know what I'm gonna play for the next few months already lined out. But that's something that's on my list I want to tackle. Sorry, we had to we had to pause the big news about the Israeli government just completely fucking dissolving for me to talk about how much I want to play Mass Effect because I really do. It does it does look amazing. As you know, it takes a long time for Israel's different factions to agree on a new government once elections are held. What's the effect of Israel remaining politically unstable for such a long time? Yeah, Andrea, this is basically year three of a rolling political crisis. This will be the fifth. You, okay, okay, okay. So right now I'm finishing up Kingdom My thought process has been I've been playing... PlayStation 5 games and shit that have been upgraded for the PlayStation 5. I've replayed a few games like God of War, played some shit I'd never played before like Days Gone, uh, played played games that I had that were PS5 versions, uh, um, Watch Dogs Legion, uh, um, Outer Worlds. No, Outer Worlds was just a PS4 game. But like uh, uh, Phoenix Rising. I played Immortals Phoenix Rising. That was really fucking good. Because I feel like if I don't take advantage of the PS5, like there's still people out there that can't get PS5s. It feels weird of me to play like an old game on a PS5 when there's children out there that don't have access to 4K 60 frames a second graphics. Flash, I almost gave up on Days Gone and I'm so glad I didn't. It was so fucking good. Like, you know, five, six hours into it. Like, my main my main thing was I didn't like being dropped in there and I didn't really know what was going on. There was no backstory, whatever. But, like, it kind of, the way it unfolds is, is perfect. Its pacing is probably a little off, but it was a great game. The bird keeps boobing them. Now, mine, like, mine were, like, in a, like, in a triangle, ready to go at each other. I'm a, I'm a Sony fanboy. I love story driven, like first first person or like a, a, a one player RPG action adventure. Like it's my shit. Horizon Zero Dawn was so fucking. I replayed it because it's upgraded for the PS5. I want to get hyped for Horizon Zero West or forbid Horizon Forbidden West. I fucked it up. But I'm I like I've already got mapped out what I'm gonna I'm gonna finish Kingdom Hearts two because like Kingdom Hearts three is optimized for the the PS five. <laughs> 
So I need. I just needed to play Kingdom Hearts 2 first. I hadn't played it yet. So I'm almost at the end of it. Just like one of the last bosses kicked my ass. Got to go level up a little more. I'm going to play Kingdom Hearts 3. I'm going to... Uh, it, we're coming up on July 4th, bitches. It's the, it's the American Revolution. I have uh, Assassin's Creed 3 Remastered. I've never played it. I'm going to play it for July 4th. Then after that, I'll probably, I'll probably play Kingdom Hearts three, and then from there it's Devil May Cry. Like the next the next game that I have that's optimized for the PS five is Devil May Cry five, but I've never played all the other ones. But I, I think they're pretty short, and I can get through them pretty fast. I have them all. I have the HD like collection. I haven't played Forbidden West yet because I haven't caught it on sale. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to play Like, oh, I, I think it's been on sale once and it was only, like, fucking, like, $5 off. Like, no, 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 no. Is that the one with the cat? I think I have it. Maybe. Was it an indie game that PlayStation brought over? Warlord. I don't know. I don't If you're talking about Texic, Texas, Texic, Texic. Are you talking about the platform for the Republicans in Texas? I'm, we're totally going to cover that. You weren't here for the rundown. I got so I got so much good shit over here. We were talking about Israel, but then like yeah, everybody was talking about games, and I just still got I got caught on games. I'm going to be honest with you. I really wasn't in a news and kind of mood tonight, so it's probably going to be easy to get me off topic. No, it's totally cool. As I said, it's going to be easy to get me off topic tonight. You're totally cool, Drake. No, no. I do. I try to do once a month. I try to do a fucking around stream where we just talk about games and movies, food, whatever. And I'll listen to real music, too. <clears throat> I got cats swarming all over here. No, no, it's totally cool. I can... I, it, I'm I'm not in the mood to do news tonight. However, I do have four pages of fucking news. I do my job. I'm very proud of this this thumbnail that I made for the clip from last night. <laughs> Where I put the handcuffs on Colbert. I got the cop with his with his hand. And by the way, like I just cut the cop out. His hand just seemed to fit perfectly. Like I didn't do anything else to it. I was like, oh, it already looks like... I mean, he... It's a picture of him with his hand tucked into somebody else's arm like that. I just cut it out, and then, like, boom, it fit perfect. All right, Colbert, you're going to jail. Nah, let's talk about five or ten-year-old video games. Cannibal Corpse. I don't... You know, I'm not familiar with Cannibal Corpse, to be honest with you, Drake. I've always considered them a little more into the uh, the the heavy metal, the kind of the, the shit that I'm not. I'm I'm more of a progressive rocker. Like I get down on like some some King Crimson and some fucking Dream Theater and shit like that. Oh, they're not good. You're memeing. Okay. I I don't know. I get be like I've had people come over to my house and be like, "Here, let me play a five finger death punch." I'm like, "Please don't." 
Please don't. No, you just haven't heard the right song. I'm like, I'm pretty sure there's not a right song. But then I'm not, I am not one to criticize somebody else's musical taste. Mine are all over the fucking place. Sparkles and I were at a restaurant the other day and like, like it played five or six songs back to back. And I'm like, wow, this is the most annoying music I've ever heard. And then like the next three or four songs were by uh, Sia, Kesha, uh, Lady Gaga. They were like my favorite fucking artists. I'm like, okay, okay, maybe the maybe the music's not that fucking bad. Or maybe I just listened to some shit fucking music. I'm sorry. There was a uh there was a stripper at the club I worked at that danced to uh one of the five finger death punch. So like the whatever like the major hit was back when they first became relevant. Looks wise, she was probably one of my favorite girls, but like, I wouldn't have gotten a lap dance from her because it looked like she would break your fucking hip. Because once again, we're talking about a girl that goes out and dances to thrash metal. <laughs> and when she gave lap dancing, because like I was, I was the DJ. It was my job to make sure people weren't getting too handsy with the girls, right? She'd take care of herself, but I'd, I'd like be watching on the camera, like, my God, that looks painful. I would not want you like smacking into my groin like that, but but apparently there's some guys liked it. Go on. (laughs) Oh, I get a lot of times, uh, people, people will know, you know, that I'm in broadcasting and shit. And I'll say I worked at a strip club when I was in college and they're like, you were a stripper. I'm like, fucking, I was a DJ. Fuck. Nobody wants to see my hairy ass. What the fuck? Like they'll know I've been on the radio and shit. Like how 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 do you not put two and two together? <laughs> oh shit! It was a wild time. Uh, it was owned by a lesbian, so that made it interesting because she slept with the uh, strippers quite often. So there was a lot of drama going on. So some nights I would go in there and everything was fucking cool and we partied like it was it was 1999. And uh, like I'd I'd bring pot, the the owner would bring pot. We'd all go out and we'd smoke in the in the back and everything. We'd do other drugs. The house mom come up and she'd give me private dances sometimes. I had a little fling with the house mom. Had a real fun time, but other times it was a lot of fucking drama and I was the only male that worked there and that was... And apparently uh, uh, our, our, our patrons from south of the border like to come on the walls for some reason I was told but I don't know if that was just everybody was going in there and coming on the walls and you know racist ass were blaming Mexican people for it I don't know I can't verify I would never go into the fucking bathroom in that strip club 
My ass went and took a piss outside. Because <laughs> those bathrooms were nasty. <clears throat> uh, we just change this to Justin's strip club talk if you want to. I'm wearing a t-shirt that I got when I was in high school, by the way. It's falling apart. I'm amazed it didn't just completely disintegrate as I was putting it on. It says, want to see my sock monkey? And here I am in high school. Everybody I meet like thinks it's some kind of fucking innuendo or some kind of fucking dirty shit. I'm like, I fucking love monkeys. I love sock monkeys, goddammit. Uh, I think it was like, it was around the time the American Pie movie came out, right? And he had that sock over his dick in the in the trailer. And I think that's what everybody thought it was referring to. Like, no, that is what? Sock Monkey's like an 80s toy. The fuzzy, I was trying to think what you, what the FH, like what? The F H? The fuzzy holes. Yes. I didn't even, I didn't even mention that. The name of the fucking club was Fuzzy Holes. Fuzzy Holes was the name of the strip club. Fuzzy Holes. Now, of course, because I worked there, I got to ask why the fuck it was called Fuzzy Holes, right? Had nothing to do with hairy vaginas. Had nothing to do with hairy vaginas. You live in sexual anarchy. One of the strippers she was fucking. When they would get off work and they she'd be like super drunk and she was driving her back. And she would want to stop at Fazoli's. <laughs> they did indeed have pool tables. At least one. Maybe there's two. And when she would when she would say, "Oh, I didn't finish the story," when she would say that she wanted to stop at Fazoli's, she couldn't say Fazoli's because she was drunk off her ass, maybe pilled off her ass too. And instead of saying Fazoli's, she said Fuzzy Holes, Fuzzy Holes, <laughs> and that's where the name came from. Shit, you know that's what she told me. I thought the name was hilarious. I always wanted I wanted a t-shirt. But the place had a bad reputation and it ruined my it ruined my career at college. <laughs> Cuz I I was the I was the uh what was it? station manager of the radio station for my college. And I worked at Fuzzy Holes. <laughs> And they got really, like, the, the communications department director got really upset with me because I had one of... And she was a student! I had one of the strippers from Fuzzy Holes come and be on the on the radio show. Now, I, I, have, I have video footage of it. I don't, think we've, I don't think we filmed it that night. Oh, the pool table! The Fuzzy Holes! I see... 
But I had a stripper on, and the communications director, department head, whatever the fuck they call her, uh, she was a hardcore feminist, my girlfriend at the time. She was like, she loves me. They like they had done plays together or some shit, right? And my girlfriend wanted to go and talk to her for me. And I'm like, no, I can take care of it myself. I'm Justin Freakin. What, what? No, I was I was on my high horse and I got knocked off my high horse. And my God, if I had it to do over again, I would have been like, Taylor, please, please go talk to Dr. Kinzer. Get me, get me reinstated as the as the radio station manager, and get my show back. That's where the original Friday Night Freak Show was. Kicked out of a sorority. I don't understand it. I but then again, I'm I'm very pro sex work. I'm very sex positive. So I don't know. Taylor Morgan. I why do I know that name? No, it was not Taylor Morgan. Oh god, like you, Amnestic, what is up? Like you you might fucking know her, sassy. Like she's she is kind of a social butterfly down in 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 that area. Code of conduct. I'm so confused now. I don't know what's going on. Stephen Colbert violated the code of conduct. He's going to jail for insurrection. At least that's what the right wingers say. <clears throat> all right, all right. Let's we'll do the actual news now. We'll, we'll even rewind. Re- <laughs> we'll even rewind on the on the Israeli story. We'll get back to it. I just I think I did a good job with that photo show. All right, so. Israeli Prime Minister Neftali Bennett, I believe I got that correct. They have not said it in the package in the minute we've been watching it. Israeli Prime Minister announces coalition government's disillusion and calls for a new election. in Israel. I'm not high enough for this shit. The has fallen, officially fallen, dissolving parliament, calling for new elections. This is less than a year after it was cobbled together. But for months, it has really teetered on collapse, unable to pass any significant legislation as smaller parties quit the coalition, breaking away, partly in reaction to the government's handling of recent violence between Palestinians and Israelis. And this with President Biden planning his first trip to Israel as president just next month. NBC's Raf Sanchez joins us now from Tel Aviv. Raf, the current coalition would stay in power, I believe, until a new government is officially elected. But then famously, as you know, it takes a long time for Israel's different factions to agree on a new government once elections are held. What's the effect of Israel remaining politically unstable for such a long time? Yeah, Andrea, this is basically year three of a rolling political crisis. This will be the... 
I've been doing a lot of gaming with the gays, so I sadly haven't been hanging. <laughs> Amnestic, you're fine. You do not have to apologize. <laughs> I just like the way you put that. I've been doing a lot of gaming with the gays. Gaming with the gays. That would be that would be a fantastic Twitch channel. Gaming with the gays. If there if there were multiple gays here. I might, I might have to use that as uh, the title of the podcast. Fifth election Israel has had since 2019. And as you said, in the last election, this very unusual coalition government emerged. Parties from the left, from the right, from the center, an Arab party for the first time. They really didn't agree on very much, except that they wanted to get rid of Benjamin Netanyahu. But their internal contradictions proved to be... T- that's a really good thing to rally around, but unfortunately, Netanyahu may not be out of the picture, and he may still come to power throughout all this chaos. Too much. Now, the Prime Minister... I am openly pansexual. They cannot continue like this, and they are calling for fresh elections. What that means is that the Foreign Minister, Yair Lapid, he is a centrist liberal... He will become the interim prime minister of Israel until those new elections happen in October. And that means... Oh, it's going to be October. Biden comes off of Air Force One in mid-July. It will be Yair Lapid who is meeting him. All indications we have are that the president's visit will still go ahead. This is a possibility that the United States has been preparing for for a long time. They knew that this government might collapse at some point. So it will be Yair Lapid in the interim for the next few months serving as prime minister. But Andrew, of course, looming behind all of this is Benjamin Netanyahu, the former prime minister. Told you so. Another shot at once again returning to power. Andrea? More complicated. Thank you very much. And obviously in a very volatile part of the world. Thank you so much, Raf Sanchez. Andrea, that was a bit of an understatement. And in a very volatile part of the world. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Go from the Middle East over to the Pacific. This one's this one is disappointing. I hate to I hate to bring you this story here during Pride Month. I'm so sorry. A Japanese court has ruled that a ban on same-sex marriage is not unconstitutional. The Osaka court said that marriage was defined as being only between opposite genders and that not enough debate on same-sex marriage had taken place in Japanese society. Japan is the only nation among the group of 7 that does not allow people of the same gender to marry. Machi Sakata, who married her U.S. I'm going to be honest with you. Seeing this story kind of shocked me. I was surprised it wasn't already legal. Honestly, like I figured Japan would have been ahead of us. U.S. citizen partner in the United States was one of the plaintiffs. I think it is a terrible ruling. They ruled that it is constitutional that people are being discriminated against for their sexuality that they cannot change. I am extremely furious and I am very disappointed. Monday's ruling is a setback for LGBTQ rights activists who had hoped to continue placing pressure on the government following a similar case last year. In March 2021, a district court in the city of Sapporo decided in favour of a claim that not allowing same-sex marriage was unconstitutional. In addition, the introduction of partnership rights for same-sex couples in Tokyo last week, along with rising support and opinion polls, had raised hopes for the Osaka case. 
Under current rules in Japan, members of same-sex couples are not allowed to legally marry, cannot inherit each other's assets, and also have no parental rights over each other's children. While Prime Minister Fumio Kishida has said the issue needs to be carefully considered, his ruling Liberal Democratic Party has disclosed no plans to review the matter or propose legislation, though some senior party members... Love her nails! Activists say legalizing same-sex marriage would have far-reaching implications both socially and economically and help attract foreign firms to the world's third biggest economy. Exactly! That's the thing. I figured it would be a business decision. Like, I, I would have thought the pressure would have already been there. That's, uh, that's what I'm saying, Amnesty. <laughs> But I mean, I I understand that they are reactionary. It's it's very disappointing, especially here during Pride Month. It would have it would have been a a feel good story for them to legalize it. Unfortunately, we have our own issues with rights dissipating here in this country. The Supreme Court security has been heightened ahead of a Roe v. Wade decision. It has been more than a month since a leaked Supreme Court draft opinion showed the court may soon overturn Roe v. Wade. Chief Justice John Roberts confirmed the authenticity of the leaked draft opinion, suggesting the U.S. Supreme Court is poised to overturn the landmark 1973 case that legalized abortion nationwide. The Supreme Court's official opinion could come as early as tomorrow. But until then, tension continues to grow. The safety of the justices and the court's staff has become more of a concern. While the justices are not at the courthouse daily, protesters are. We're going to cover that here in a little bit. The day after the draft opinion leaked in early May, metal barriers went up in front of the Supreme Court. It's one of the few government buildings in Washington that never opened back up to the public as pandemic conditions improved. And that's because of how important and increasingly polarizing each court decision has become in recent years. Protesters have taken up residence outside the court ahead of an official opinion on the case that could overturn Roe v. Wade. I watch the CNN piece about a weird ending. The Supreme Court's term. Supreme Court rushes to end a term like no other. An exclusive to CNN, Supreme Court officials escalating their search for the source of the leaked draft decision that would overturn Roe versus Wade. Ooh, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. It's a fucking conservative. Let's do it. I don't think this is the video we wanted to watch. The headlines don't really match. Supreme Court rushes to end a term like no other. Supreme Court analyst investigation into Roe v. Wade leak is an aggressive move. What have you learned? Well, they're certainly ramping up this search for who... Who would have leaked this document to Politico? Uh, yeah, that's not the video we wanted. I Maybe they took it down. An exclusive to CNN, Supreme Court officials escalating their search for the source of the leaked draft. Well, let's hear about it. I'm interested. Wait, let's get right to CNN's Joan Praskupic with this exclusive reporting. Joan, what have you learned? Well, they're certainly ramping up this search for who 
who would have leaked this document to Politico. Uh, it's been four weeks now since Chief Justice John Roberts announced that he was launching an investigation. Apparently, insufficient progress has been made, so they're now turning to the clerks, stepping up efforts to have them sign affidavits and to turn over cell phone records. This is a very aggressive move, and it's raised some concerns among the clerks. You know, John, how much information is on our cell phones, and we don't know if they're just asking for calls or texts and images, but it does show how serious... I think the January 6th committee needs to be asking for the cell phone of one Jenny Thomas, the wife of a Supreme Court justice, and you can throw you can throw Clarence's cell phone in there as well. Let's see how much uh, collusion was going on between them. But then that gets into the ramifications of like you you can't be compelled to testify against your significant other blah 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 blah. The court is taking this and also how concerned it is about this breach and possible other disclosures over the next four weeks as the justices wrap up this term. Now, already this all happened in the most important case of this term, if not the most important case of decades, that one that would roll back a half century of abortion rights and privacy protections. And one thing to know that as much as this draft has sort of shocked the country in both directions, you know, people very happy with the direction that the court might be taking and those who are just very much disturbed, it's very much disrupted negotiations inside the court. This draft was dated in February, and the justices themselves are still trying to figure, still working on potential compromises or maybe strengthening this draft. So it's disruptive. Uh, the the leak, the disclosure by Politico, uh, just a little bit over four weeks ago, has just so rattled people inside and out. And Apparently, they have made insufficient progress to figure out how this happened, that they're now taking this dramatic step. Oh, it is absolutely a conservative league. They wanted to make sure that, like, the justices didn't back out of their position. Joining us now, Chief Legal Analyst Jeffrey Tubin. Jeffrey, what about this? Have you ever seen anything like this? I mean, zero. Nothing. He may whip his dick out. The court has been an institution that prizes its secrecy, has, has, has preserved its secrecy, and now they are doing apparently a serious uh, investigation. Uh, I think it's important to point out this is not a criminal investigation. Um, it is it is basically an employment situation where all these clerks are in danger of being fired. I'm sorry. I just if if I had been caught masturbating on a Zoom call, I would never show my face on television again. I'm sure you have plenty of money, sir, and you don't need to keep working. I, Because all I can think about is the fact that you... And not that I care, man. Not that I care that you were going for a wank. Oh, Amnestic, did you not know about this? Jeffrey Tubin was, on, was suspended from CNN. <laughs> This would have been earlier on in the pandemic, probably like maybe the summer of 2020, maybe the end of, of 2020. Ah, uh, yeah. Jeffrey Tubin was masturbating in front of uh, New Yorker Biggs. What? I don't know what that sentence means. Jeffrey Tubin admits masturbating on Zoom was moronic and indefensible from the Huffington Post. Obviously, I wasn't thinking very well or very much, he told CNN's uh, Alyssa Camerato. 
Oh yes, there's actually, there's actually video of it. There's actually Jeffrey Tubin is back at CNN at eight months after exposing himself. This is in June tenth, twenty twenty one. Hi, Jeffrey. Hello, Allison. It's been a while. It has been a while, indeed. I feel like we should address um, what's happened in the months since we've seen you, since some of our viewers may not know what has happened. So um, (laughs) I'll do the honors. Help yourself. Okay. Um, In October, you were on a Zoom call with your colleagues from The New Yorker magazine. Everyone took a break. For several minutes, during which time you were caught masturbating, on- <laughs> uh, you were subsequently fired. You live in sexual anarchy. How, like, I would not go back and have this moment, and I would not continue appearing on television because then somebody like myself is like sitting in there, but like the only thing I can think about is him whipping out his willy and then we gotta go back and we gotta watch Jeffrey Tubin talk about like how (laughs) oh this is priceless this is priceless from that job after 27 years of working there and you since then have been on leave from CNN do I have all that right um you got it all right sad to say (laughs) start there um to quote Jay Leno What the hell were you thinking? Well, obviously, uh, I wasn't thinking very well or very much. And um, it was something that was inexplicable to me. I think one point, I I wouldn't exactly say in my defense, because nothing is really in my defense. I didn't think I was on the call. I didn't think other people could see me. You thought that you had turned off your camera? Correct. I thought that I had turned off the Zoom call. Now, that's not a defense. This was deeply moronic and indefensible. But, I mean, that that is part of... that. that As someone who streams, you should probably restart your whole system just to be safe before going to the masturbating... Can only go up from that moment. Well, sassy, I. You are an optimist. I see that. I like. I like you. I like your style. Part of the story, um, and you know, I have spent the seven subsequent months, miserable months in my life. I can certainly confess, um, trying to be a better person. I mean, in therapy, trying to do some public service, um, working in a food bank, which I certainly am going to continue to do, working on... Repeat there! Oklahoma City bombing, but I am trying to become the kind of person that people can trust again. I'm sure you've replayed that embarrassing moment over and over many times. Um, Have you ever thought about what it must have been like to be on the receiving end of that Zoom call? Um, well, I, I haven't just thought about it. I've spoken to several of my former colleagues at The New Yorker about it. And, you know, they uh, were shocked and appalled. Um, I think they realized that. So, so now, now you're caught up on the whole Jeffrey Tubin thing. <laughs> and, like, I just, I wouldn't return to, like, I can't take you seriously, sir, because all I think about... Is, is that moment like I 
It's one. It's one thing if Justin freaking gets caught with his dick out. Like people would expect that. <laughs> but but like you're a legal analyst. You know, like fucking. I'm not expecting to have to think about your dick flopping around every time I see you on TV. Or anyone else is in danger of being. He fired. did not. What was it? Washington Post was that they they said the name of the outlet that he worked for. I'm sorry that I was talking over it. Washington Post. Yeah, he lost that job. CNN just suspended him, and now he's back with CNN. And he's he's a contributor for them now. That's why he's talking about the Supreme. We are talking about. <laughs> The overturning of Roe v. Wade, which could come as early as tomorrow. And uh, that's why we were watching legal analyst Jeffrey Tubin, but I made a joke about him having his willy out, and we had to do the backstory. If they leak... They absolutely are allowed to have sex, but like, in terms of a, a public perception, it's hard for me to not think about the interview we just watched... And how funny that was every time I see Jeffrey Tubin. Whereas if it's if it's Justin Freaking with his dick out, like that's just on on brand, right? Golden Flames, welcome. Thank you for being a freaking follower. I'm not saying the man's not allowed to have sex. Like he he might have a, a, a degradation fantasy or some shit. A humiliation fantasy. I'm. I'm sorry. I don't mean to sexualize everyone. I didn't do it. He did it to himself. In more ways than one. Oh! (laughs) Dancing with myself. And we're doing this in the middle of a very serious news story. I'm sorry. This is this is what is hard about doing a show called The Troll Patrol where we do serious news, but I'm also cracking jokes about shit. It's a weird fucking tone. And I apologize. I apologize. We're talking about the eroding of women's rights in this country, which is could come as early as tomorrow. Oh. In more ways than one joke, rotten left. <laughs> uh, what a Roberts compromise on abortion could look like. It's a long shot, but court watchers are closely eyeing the Chief Justice for middle ground on Roe. Now there is no middle ground. You don't you don't seed ground on Roe was already the compromise when the two sides in the abortion debate squared off at the Supreme Court last fall they agreed on one thing there was no middle ground now any hope abortion rights supporters have of avoiding a historic loss before the court lies with Chief Justice John Roberts crafting an unlikely compromise and let me tell you I am in favor like if you're going to end it end it I want the political blowback of you ending it. Do it. Because that will animate people and hopefully have an effect in 2022. 
Now, any hope abortion rights supporters have of avoiding a historic loss before the court lies with Chief Justice John Roberts crafting an unlikely compromise. In the wake of Politico's report last month on a draft majority opinion that would overturn Roe v. Wade, Roberts would have to convince at least one of his five Republican-appointed colleagues to sign on to a compromise ruling that would be uh, that would preserve a federal constitutional right to abortion in some form while giving states even more power to restrict that right. Can Roberts thread that needle, and how would he do it? The Supreme Court has been very tight-lipped since the leak of the Roe opinion draft, and the court never comments on opinions ahead of time. But a deep dive into Roberts' public speeches and commentary at court arguments may offer somewhat of a roadmap to what a Roberts compromise might be on Roe if he is able to find one at the 11th hour. Court could issue its abortion ruling any time in the next two weeks before the justices leave town for their usual summer break. The central organizing principle for a Roberts opinion is likely to be one he has articulated many times, that the court shouldn't issue a sweeping decision when a more modest one would do. I think the I think judicial decisions should be narrower rather than broader, Roberts said at the University of Minnesota Law School in 2018. Courts sometimes get in trouble when they try to sweep more broadly than necessary. The abortion case currently before the court, lawyers for the state of Mississippi are asking the justices to uphold a law that would ban most abortions after the fetus has reached 15 weeks. That was, indeed, the state's main ask in July of 2020 when Mississippi officials petitioned the court to take the case. 15 weeks is essentially outlawing abortion. That's what, two missed periods? However, by the time the state filed its opening brief a year later, the court had shifted further to the right, with conservative Justice Amy Coney Barrett replacing the late liberal icon Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Mississippi shifted its sights accordingly and told the high court that it was time to wipe out the landmark 1973 decision, establishing a federal constitutional right to abortion. Roe v. Wade, and a 1992 ruling that largely preserved that right, Casey versus Planned Parenthood. This court should overrule Roe and Casey, Mississippi's brief said, mounting a headlong attack on those critical precedents. Those precedents are grievously wrong, unworkable, damaging, and outmoded. At arguments in the case last December in Dobbs versus Jackson's Women Health Organization, Mississippi Solicitor General Scott Stewart argued the high court to just go all the way and overrule Roe and Casey. Despite the sharply conservative lean of the new court, abortion rights advocates mounted the flip side of that argument and sought to defend Roe and Casey from the frontal assault while making no concessions. Upholding the statute would amount to gutting Casey and Roe, the brief for the Jackson Mississippi Clinic that challenged the law said. However, during the arguments, Roberts seemed to stake out a middle ground. He suggested that the essential right to end a pregnancy could be maintained even if states were allowed to sharply limit abortion before viability outside the womb, which is generally considered to be around 22 or 23 weeks. The Chief Justice indicated that the pivotal issue for abortion rights may be whether a pregnant person has sufficient opportunity to get an abortion, not the age of the fetus. There is a point at which they've had the fair choice, opportunity to choose, or opportunity to choice, Robert said, seeming to deliberately adopt the language of abortion rights advocates. Why would 15 weeks be an inappropriate line, the Chief Justice asked. 
because viability, it seems to me, doesn't have anything to do with choice. But if it really is an issue about choice, why is 15 weeks not enough time? Because you may barely know you're pregnant at that time, if at all. Let's meet the woman who could indeed end abortion, the attorney... Mississippi's chief legal officer sat down for an interview with Pro-Life Weekly, a Catholic television program featuring anti-abortion activists. Lynn Fitch. Lynn Fitch. Looked how she always does during public appearances. Dyed blonde hair. Blow-dried straight and neat. Tasteful jewelry and a monochrome suit, this time in powder blue. The Attorney General was there to celebrate. The United States Supreme Court had just announced the date it would hear her state's challenge to Roe v. Wade, the 1973 ruling that has, for nearly 50 years since, served as a nationwide guarantee to abortion access. The case, Dobbs v. Jackson Women Health Organization, centers on a Mississippi law that would ban abortion after 15 weeks of pregnancy, even in cases of rape or incest. Under Miss Finch's direction, the state asked the Supreme Court to uphold the law and slash the landmark Roe v. Wade decision in the process. A ruling is expected this month. A leaked draft suggests it is likely that Mississippi's ban will be upheld, paving the way for uh, other states to also outlaw abortion. Miss Finch, who declined to be interviewed, had argued that overturning Roe v. Wade would be game-changing, uplifting women by eliminating what she described as a false choice between family and career. Fifty years ago, for professional women, they wanted you to make a choice. Now you don't have to, she said on Pro-Life Weekly. You have the option in life to really achieve your dreams, your goals, and you can have those beautiful children as well. If she wins the case and Roe v. Wade falls, some 40 million women may lose access to abortion. Pro-choice advocates warn. You can also make Miss Finch a single working parent of three, a Republican superstar, and poster child for her own argument. Modern women don't need abortion to have it all. Abortion was not always an animating theme of Miss Fitch's political career. When she first took public office as Mississippi State Treasurer in 2011, she pushed for legislation that would guarantee men and women were paid equally. Her convictions were shaped in many ways by her upbringing and especially her experiences as a single mother. According to Hayes Dent, a longtime friend and colleague who ran her first political campaign. Uh, when Mr. Dent first met Miss Finch, she had just been named executive director of the Mississippi State Personnel Board, a state agency by then-Governor Haley Barber. Mr. Dent was immediately impressed. Having been around every major political figure in Mississippi for 40 years, I could just tell. She's going to run, Mr. Dent said, and when she pulls that trigger, she's going to be successful. It wasn't for another couple of years that she did, launching a campaign for state treasurer. When she launched her first political campaign for state treasurer in 2011, she was an underdog, said Austin Barber, a national GOP strategist. No relation to former Governor Barber. Mr. Dent, who had kept tabs on Miss Finch, reached out to her in the middle of that 2011 cycle and asked to come on board her campaign. I said, look, I think you can win this race. He accepted, and the two ran an ambitious campaign, even driving the length of the state in a day, making a handful of different stops, and placing fundraiser calls in the hours between. 
He was a natural campaigner, but fundraising lagged, so Mr. Dent asked her father for a personal donation. Bill Fitch still lived in Holly Springs, the small rural town near the state's northern edge where Miss Finch spent most of her childhood. Her father had inherited land on the historic uh, Galena Plantation. Well, that shows you the stock she comes from. And used the sprawling 8,000-acre property to restore the family farm, turning it into a premier quail hunting destination. Bougie motherfuckers. The late Supreme Court Justice, the late Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia and Mississippi Governors Barber and Phil Bryant became frequent guests. Visitors of Fitch Farms could elect to stay in the former home of Confederate General and first Grand Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan, Nathan Bedford Forrest, which Miss Fitch had bought and transported onto the property. She bought. She bought. The home of Nathan Bedford Forrest and transported it onto her property. Ida indeed. Fuck that bitch. As a teenager, she was the prototypical popular girl, Mr. Dent said. Leader, cheerleader, athletic, the whole nine yards. She went to the University of Mississippi, joined a sorority, and graduated with a degree in business administration and later in law. Mr. Dent drove to her father's farm to make his pitch for her campaign donation. He said, I told him if I left there with a big check, she was going to win. She won and then won again four years later, securing a second term as state treasurer. In this office, she targeted state debt, expanded access to financial education in the state, and advocated for equal pay laws. Mississippi remains the only state that does not ensure equal pay for equal work between men and women. And she developed her knack for connecting to voters, leaning on both her Holly Springs upbringing and an apparent ease in the public eye. In interviews and campaign videos, Miss Fitch looks... Uh, preternaturally poised? Peter naturally poised. Ooh, is this some British word or am I just, I'm just dumb. I'm just a, a dumb uh, Jessup. Preternaturally. Preternaturally. Beyond what is normal or natural. Preternaturally. Preternaturally. This Fitch looks preternaturally poised. Makes easy eye contact or speech slow and relaxed often thanking God and her family for the opportunity to serve her state. Rural roots matter to voters in the state, said Mr. Barber, the Republican strategist, and she's very likable. She just is. Ms. Fitch also helped bolster her conservative credentials with her support for then-presidential candidate Donald Trump, leading Mississippi's Women for Trump coalition in 2016. When Trump was in Jackson for a campaign rally, she sat in the front row. Two years later, Ms. Fitch announced she would make uh, a bid for Mississippi Attorney General, an office that had never been held by a woman. But she wasn't the underdog and glided to victory in November 2019 with nearly 60% of the vote on the promise to uphold conservative values and principles. No, no, Mox. I'm glad. I'm glad we were reading from the BBC where they don't dumb down their shit for their audience like they do here in the U.S. Because then I get to learn new words like preternatural. 
I'm into it. I don't like that at news stations here in the United States, they tell you to write for a fourth grade audience. They tell you to write for a fourth grade audience in the U.S. But then again, we're different. I mean, people would probably be turned off by big words they don't understand. Words are good. Learning is fun. And here's something that you may not know. We are going to see an interview. This took place about nine months ago. Ironically, this was Baby Roe. You might not know that there was a child in the case, Roe v. Wade. And because abortion was outlawed at the time that the case went to the Supreme Court, the woman in the uh, decision had the child long before the Supreme Court ruled. And that child uh, came forward about nine months ago. This is October of last year. Is among the biggest cases facing the Supreme Court this year. And many on both sides believe this could be the year Roe versus Wade is overturned. That landmark case remains one of the most polarizing issues in American society. And now just imagine if you were the baby whose biological mother famously fought to have you aborted. The burden and weight that you might carry if you were then compelled to hold that secret for decades. Tonight, in her first television interview, we speak with that baby, now all grown up, at the heart of one of this nation's most bitter fights. A lot of people didn't know that I existed, that she was able to have the abortion. Shelley Lynn Thornton was two and a half years old, completely oblivious to her role in history on January 22, 1973, when the landmark case Roe v. Wade was decided in the Supreme Court. When you are able to really think about the idea that your mere conception brought about arguably the most controversial Supreme Court ruling in history, Mm -hmm. what's the impact? on you now. I understand that it has nothing to do with me. It's, it doesn't revolve around me. I wasn't the one who like, created this law. I'm not the one who created this movement. Her only involvement? She just happened to be at the center of an unwanted pregnancy her mother wanted to end. As much as this case was personal, seemingly pitting a mother against her unborn child, publicly it pitted Americans against each other. The country was deadlocked in a bitter moral battle over what constituted life. Is there any part of you that has ever given any thought to, boy, I'm kind of glad that law went into effect after I was born? I just don't think about it. To me, I want it to be a non-issue, so I ignore it thinking that if I ignore it long enough and hard enough, it'll go away, (laughs) but it never does. And so at 51 years old, after decades shrouded in secrecy, the woman who was thought of only as the Roe baby is ready to tell her story. Now you're confronting it, really. I've ignored it for this many years and it hasn't gone away and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And so it's like now the only thing that I can do is just to meet it head on. Her biological mother, Norma McCorvey, a cleaning woman from Katy, Texas, was 22 when she found herself pregnant for the third time. By 1970, she'd already given up two of her girls for adoption, 
but it was a desire to terminate her third pregnancy that led Norma to file a lawsuit against the state of Texas. She never did have the procedure, but more than two years later, against tremendous odds, Norma, who filed anonymously under the pseudonym Jane Roe, won. The Supreme Court today ruled that abortion is completely a private matter to be decided by mother and doctor in the first three months of pregnancy. By that time, Norma's third baby, Shelley, was already a toddler growing up with a family she says she loved. What was it like growing up uh, with, with Ruth and Billy? I had the best time. It was always an adventure. There was always like something fun going on because we had a big family. And you felt loved? Oh, yeah, completely, 100%. Did you ever look for your biological parents? No. But in 1989, Norma was looking for her. It was the same year actress Roseanne Barr had a media-frenzied reunion with the daughter she gave up as a teen. And Shelley believes that Norma, seeing the attention it brought, wanted the same. You're 18, 10 days before your 19th birthday, and somebody says, what? I walked past this van, and these people, like, jumped out of this van and they were calling me and I turned around and they were like, are you Shelly? And I was, I go, yeah. And they were like, well, we, we've been looking for you. Shelly says she was tricked into meeting reporters from the National Enquirer who then revealed that her biological mother was Norma McCorvey, AKA Jane Roe, the poster child for abortion. My whole thinking is that oh God, everybody's gonna hate me because everyone's gonna blame me for abortion being legal. I just completely broke down. For a long time, you kept it a secret. You didn't tell anybody who your biological mother was. What kind of weight was that burden for you to carry that for so many years? It's a lot of weight. It's, it's, it's pretty big. I feel that it was always hard for me to form relationships with people because I, I felt like I was always holding something back. Like they never really got like 100% me. I still carry that um, and I probably always will. As an 18 year old, had you thought anything about Roe v. Wade or abortion? I never really grew up knowing anything about abortion because it was just never, not a thing that was talked about in our family. Like if a family member had a baby, they couldn't take care of it, then somebody else in the family took it and took care of it. In the 80s, Roe v. Wade was quickly becoming a partisan issue. Many Republicans like President Ronald... Because of the evangelicals. We're told about a woman's right to control her own body. But doesn't the unborn child have a higher right, and that is to life liberty and the pursuit of happiness and those angered by the ruling sometimes resorted to violence killing lives in the name of saving them they bombed the clinics because god told them to do it in the decades since there if you're just getting here we're actually hearing from the the child uh that that was baby roe from the roe v wade case she gave this interview to abc about like eight nine months ago have been several challenges to the ruling, but none as serious as recent legislation. Mississippi, which only has one abortion clinic left, is going before the Supreme Court this fall to ask the conservative majority to throw out Roe and roll back abortion rights nationwide. 
While in Texas, where Norma sued for an abortion all those years ago, a recent bill known as SB8 has already succeeded at banning abortions after six weeks, with no exceptions for rape or incest, empowering civilians to enforce it with lawsuits against doctors who unlawfully perform the procedure. Clinics say it's effectively ended abortion in America's second most populated state and galvanized people. I mean, I think if God told you to do anything, you should probably be in a padded cell. This decades-long debate continues to rage across the country. But that's most of the fucking country. Concerned either side would be all too eager to make her the face of their movement. Do you have an opinion about whether women should be allowed to have abortions? I do. It's an opinion that I keep pretty close to my chest just because I don't want either side or both sides coming at me. I'm not going to let either side use me. Though people watching- I, I will go ahead and say she seems awesome and I'm going to assume she's pro-choice, but that's, that's also wrong of me to assume when she- That she's trying to uh, convey without answering the question. No. So this this cross is my sister cross. Um, Jennifer and I have matching necklaces so that we always have each other close. Jennifer Ferguson is Norma's second daughter, who she also gave up for adoption. Much like Shelly, she too grew up in a loving home with a doting mother and a father nicknamed Dr. Wonderful, who adored her. My childhood was, it was amazing. I had great parents, Donna and Steve, who raised me. My dad was an anesthesiologist. My mom worked in a podiatrist's office. And my sister was in and out of college. I never did without. With one exception. No, it was because of her sister. Her her sister is totally fucking liberal. Jennifer. Unlike Shelley, Jennifer wasn't burdened by the knowledge that her birth mother tried to abort her. As a result, Jennifer's relationship with Norma was quite different from Shelley's. Since we're here in Texas, you lived all your life in Texas, and, and a big conversation now is SB8. Do you have thoughts on it? I think it's a, it's a little bit scary that people can judge how women what they're going to do with their bodies. I I have a problem with that. Um, Not that I'm pro-choice, pro-life, 100% either side. I I will always feel that it's wrong. Did you ever try to convince Shelly to meet Norma? No, I did not because I knew from a very early stage with Shelly what horrible things that Norma did to her as a young child, and I would... Oh my God, guys, if you do not know the story of Norma... Like, this this is a wild fucking ride here. Never force that on her, ever. Norma was a complicated figure. When her lawyers, Sarah Weddington and Linda Coffey, met her, she was seemingly the perfect candidate, a poor woman unable to afford the trip out of the state for an abortion. But what they got was a spitfire who took liberties with the truth and was haunted by a traumatic upbringing. Prior to her death, Norma would go on to switch sides multiple times, vacillating between pro-choice and pro-life. Depending on which was more profitable and attention-grabbing at the time. Norma is a wild, a wild woman. She wants to be the center of attention. There was a a major headline in June 1989. It says, National Enquirer finds Jane Rose baby. Mm -hmm. And Norma was quoted saying that she was ready to take her in my arms and give her my love and be her friend. Her being you. Right. 
Did you ever feel that that was true? No. It became <laughs> to me really quickly that the only reason why she wanted to reach out to me and find me was because she wanted to use me for publicity. Have you forgiven her? No. Never will? No. Why? A lot of reasons. Um, mostly because I feel that she could have handled things. Jones, welcome. Then she did. She could have been more upfront with what she, she, she was a grifter. wanted from me than trying to do, you know, like the warm mother-daughter reconciliation movie of the week kind of thing. Have you been able to reconcile being this unwilling participant in history? <laughs> yes and no, but I think a lot of people don't understand that Norma was taken advantage of in her circumstances, but I think she also took advantage of both sides. Norma passed in 2017. Once again, she seems kind of empathetic towards her. With the revelation that she was paid by the pro-life movement to switch sides in the FX doc, AKA Jane Roe. This is my deathbed confession. <laughs> Did they use you as a trophy? Of course. I was the big fish. Yeah, I can't imagine that they did. Before Jennifer could make it to the hospital. And while Shelly considered going to visit Norma on her deathbed, ultimately she decided against it. Why did you decide never to meet Norma? She didn't deserve to meet me. She, she never. Good on you, girl. Um, in her life, to get that privilege back. She never, um, she never expressed genuine feeling for me or genuine remorse for doing the things that she did, saying the things that she did. So you have no regrets that you never met her? No regrets. Norma once said of her daughters that she gave them a chance at living by giving them- I'm glad she's got a good relationship with her sister though. That's awesome. That's very heartwarming. Is that she gave them each other. What do you all bring to each other's lives at this point? Support. Comfort. Most definitely. Togetherness. Yeah. Family. Family. Yeah. Our thanks to both Shelly and... I, I, I... I think they're pro-life. Or, I mean, they're pro-choice. I mean, like, she seemed like... Shelly seemed like a bookworm, right? Like... (laughs) Admitting on your deathbed that the that the pro-life movement paid you, which of course they did. I mean, like the right pays for everything. Like, like Prager, you got ten million dollars. Uh, fucking the the the, the whole uh, uh, lawsuits against Bill Clinton and everything was all funded by the right. The Johnny Depp story was was was. Promoted by the right wing to like a, everything on the right gets amplified because of like shit tons of money. So of course she got paid by the right wing. Of course she did. 
Uh, let's go over to BitChute and let's see a reactionary get upset about free speech. Women seen soaked in blood holding baby dolls outside of Amy Coney Barrett's house. Unbelievable. This hasn't stopped yet. He, I liked it. I like him. I like him. He's knocking on the desk and everything. Like, comment, share, and hit that notification bell so you're the first to know when news breaks. Liberal activists. Uh, Hold on, I didn't. Pro- I didn't properly introduce this. This is the Next News Network. Uh, I don't. I it doesn't. It doesn't have a, a name for this dude. I don't. I don't know who the who the guy behind the desk is. I definitely know how to make a a show of things, but their timing is bad. These activists showed up again outside of Amy Coney Barrett's home just almost. Week. This is the last thing. And it's pretty based, Sky Comet. To kill him. Nextnewsnetwork.com reports pro-abortion activists were seen dressed in blood-soaked outfits and holding dolls in a protest outside of Supreme Court Justice Amy Coney Barrett's house on cool. Saturday. Cool. Cool. Love it. Make their voices heard over the expected overturning of Roe v. Wade in upcoming weeks. Based warlord, this is based. That's what the kill. That's what the kids call it now. This is based. Outside Barrett's home in Virginia, the group were carrying dolls and white pants with blood stains on their crotch. The blood was meant to symbolize the forced births that would allegedly happen if yeah. Roe v. Wade was struck down by the high court. Uh, the group posted a video of the uh, baby doll possession that featured women protesters with their... I just... I, help me here, guys. Help me. People people in chat, you fine fucking people. I don't understand if a woman doesn't want to continue being pregnant... You know, I get, I get, like, when the, when the baby's, like, fucking, fucking, almost close to, like, passing through the birth canal, unless, unless there's a fucking medical issue, you always gotta have that exemption. Because shit goes south in pregnancies, and you, you have to make split decisions, and you don't want doctors worried of if they're gonna be fucking prosecuted for saving a woman's life. It's fucking bullshit. So I always, I always want to point that out when we're talking, because when right-wingers say late-term abortion, what they're saying is sacrificing women on the operating table. And, and I, want to, I want to be precise in language. Late-term abortions aren't performed willy-nilly. Women don't get pregnant and carry the kid for eight months and all of a sudden decide to abort. Period. End of story. What we're talking about is the delineation, the line that you draw of when, like, it's okay to have an abortion, to make the decision to have one. We drew the line at the point of viability. 22, 23 weeks gives women a, a, a perfect shot at knowing their circumstances and being able to go and have an abortion. I'm cool with that. That seems like a fucking... Perfect place to put the line. That seems like the standard. That's why the court chose it. So that's the first trimester. And then you've got the second and the third trimester where no abortions are performed unless it's to 
protect the life of the mother. There's some issue with the child, miscarriage, that sort of thing. That that doctor was just a fucking quack. Like <laughs> he he wasn't a. Uh, he. he this is the dude fucking doing nutso shit. I don't get it. Oh, I don't. I, I like. I'm. I'm not. I'm not high enough for this as as he should have been. Shut and the caption reading children's baby doll possession heading to Amy Coney Barrett's house. Yeah, it wasn't standard abortions he was doing. Of forcing women to give birth against their will. A call for you to act. Take a look. This country is fucked up. Based. Based. Women, I root you on. Thank you for taking a stand against injustice. It's not doing Standing much. up for your rights. If anything, you're outraging and and strengthening the people. And the, and the fact that that this fuck right here with his pedo mustache. You know, I mean, I think you know this is is, is upset about what you're doing. Means you're doing the right thing. Should accept, but yet you saw it with Nancy Pelosi. She refused to even answer the question about um, you know the judge's safety. The group previously protested outside the... Not Nancy Pelosi's job. June 18th, 2022. Not Nancy Pelosi's job. ...to not allow the Supreme Court to overturn Roe. They don't want to invest in sex education. The, 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 the assault on abortion is all about control. Get on the bus! Get on the bus! Come to D.C. Come to D.C. It's time to stand up! It's time to stand up! You need an underclass population for capitalism to feed on. I wonder if they know what a woman is. I mean, nobody seems to be able to define one on the left, but here they we are. We all can. We all can, motherfucker. You just got your fingers in your ears going, no, 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 no. I'm tired of fucking saying it over and over again to these fuckers. Armed with a handgun, a crowbar, and pepper spray. And he was he was arrested, taken into custody, and properly charged. What more do you want? Why do they need more security when the security... Why, why, why do the Supreme Court need more security when the security that they currently have seems to work perfectly fine that doesn't make any sense to me I don't understand where these right wingers are coming from your logic doesn't follow sir that's kind of strange but anyway the justices are currently protected by federal marshals however Congress uh, has delayed a bill to provide more protection to the justices after a string of attacks and protests outside of pro-life Centers. The FBI announced on Friday that it would be. I bet she wishes she did a better job on her nails. They were going to show that close up, but she probably has no idea this fuck exists. Revenge has already claimed responsibility for several of the attacks. The FBI is investigating a series of attacks and threats 
uh, targeting pregnancy resource centers and faith-based organizations across the country. The FBI takes all threats seriously, and we continue to work closely with our law enforcement partners and will remain vigilant to protect our communities, the agent said in a state uh, in a statement. Now, if this was a right-wing group, that statement... Correct, Mox. I agree with that wholeheartedly. And here, the group, as I read, allegedly claimed... Um, responsibility, and they didn't name the group. Leftists have gotten more and more extreme recently. It's why we are seeing a rash of a... This dude was not popular in high school. He probably has never been laid, or if he has, it's only been like one or two, and they've all like hated him afterwards because like he didn't know what he was doing because he wasn't popular in high school. And that's, that's all it comes down to is these people. God, there was a thread on on Twitter. I saw several people share. Like I commented, but I saw several people share out the the actual thread after I, after I commented. Not saying I had anything to do with it. Oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get to Uvalde here in a little bit. You might see some thirst traps as I go down through here. That's always possible. It's mainly news, but there are thirst traps. Well, damn. But the dude was like... Uh... The left is informed by facts and reason and blah, 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 blah. The right gets pushed to the right because they were uh, made fun of in social interactions or something. Like, it's really fucking... I guess I could go to my own fucking replies because there wouldn't be that fucking many of them. Yes, yes, here we go, here we go. Many young conservatives can point to a radicalization moment. There's an analog to this on the left. Young leftists often say they were radicalized by the 2008 recession, failures of Obama administration, etc. For young cons, it all, which is apt, for young cons, it often revolves around experiences on campus social media. I know it certainly did for me. As I've written said many times before, I wasn't raised conservative, but I moved right in college largely because of my experience with the campus left. They were mean to him. Oh, I'm sorry. What? I was looking that up. I'll give you rips. It's all, it is all conservatives do is, is bitch about their feelings. They were mean to, there's so many people come to my YouTube channel and in the clips, they're like, well, you're never going to win anybody over being so mean. And like, if you think I'm mean, like I'm never going to fucking win you over. So I don't give a shit. Why are, why are you commenting? Uh, 
I left the left because nobody visited my MySpace. <laughs> oh, I love it. Ladies and gentlemen, the markets are rebounding. Dow futures jump more than 300 points as the market is said to rebound from a brutal week. Stock futures rose in overnight trading Monday following a brutal week as investors assessed a more aggressive Federal Reserve and uh, rising chances of a recession. I just, I just want to tell you guys. Top eight. Oh my God, I forgot about that shit. You could have your top 16. You could have your top eight. You could have your top four. Oh, you could only have like your top eight there for a while. It had to be eight. But then they made it to where it could be like 16 or it could be your top four. Fucking MySpace. You could play songs when you... MySpace never did us wrong. Tom never did us wrong. I don't know shit about financial markets or blah, the economy bullshit. So, like, take whatever I say with a grain of salt, but I think all the stories that we're getting ready... I'm getting ready to show you people who, in theory, know what they're talking about, Right? I think what they're trying to tell us is that we, the poor people, are about ready to get fucked. That they're going to fuck us. Because we've gotten too... All these unions are the 150 Starbucks stores that are unionized. The Amazon unions that didn't exist just a year ago. All the different pushes into different stores... I think they're trying to punish us for it because they keep talking about, like, a recession. Once again, stocks bounce back because we had all those recession stories last week. Here we go again. CNBC mentioning a recession. See if that's the third. In all these stories that we're getting ready to, to read about the markets, see if that's not the thread that they're threatening us. Because who, do, who does a recession hurt? It hurts us, the people. It really feels like the bourgeoisie class is, is trying to punish us for standing up for ourselves. That means we should probably do more of it. Futures on the Dow Jones Industrial Average, average jumped 380 points or around 1.3%. The S&P 500 futures climbed 1.12%, and the NASDAQ 100 futures rose 1.14%. U.S. stock markets were closed earlier Monday for Juneteenth. The major averages just suffered their 10th losing week in 11 on fears that the central bank will hike rates aggressively to tame inflation at the risk of causing an economic downturn. S&P 500 dropped... 5.8% last week for its biggest weekly loss since March of 2020, dipping deeper into bear market territory. The equity benchmark is now more than 23% off its record high from early January. Fed Chair Jerome Powell will testify before Congress on Wednesday and Thursday. His appearance comes after a recent rate rate hike by three quarters of a percentage point the central bank's biggest increase since 1994. 
Investors will monitor incoming data, including existing home sales, on Tuesday to gauge the health of the economy. Recent data showing low consumer confidence, falling retail spending, and a cooling housing market have fueled recession fears as the Fed battles inflation at 41-year highs. Meanwhile, we've got this wild story over here. U.S. economy will grind to a halt in the second half of 2023, and the following year won't be much better. Bank of America says, as it slashes its growth forecast, growing to a halt in the second half of 2023. So this time next year is what Bank of America is predicting. Bank of America analysts expect U.S. economic growth to slow to near zero by the second half of two, uh, 2023. While the risk of a recession this year is low, Bank of America sees a 40% probability starting next year. And 2024 isn't looking much better as analysts see only a modest rebound. Bank of America has sounded the alarm on the U.S. economy, predicting growth will stall next year and that the likelihood of a recession will surge. Biden, on the other hand, says that after calls with with his economic advisors, he still thinks it's avoidable. It's even more likely than ever. Not the majority of them are saying that. Come on, don't make things up, okay? Now you sound like a Republican politician. I'm joking. That was a joke. But all kidding aside, no, I don't think it is. I was... Uh, talking to Larry Summers this morning, and uh, there's nothing inevitable about a recession. I think we're going to be able to do I'm glad I saw multiple people on Twitter back me up that whatever Larry Summers says is probably wrong, and you should do the opposite of whatever Larry Summers is recommending to you. It wasn't Robert Reich, but I would assume that he would also say that do the opposite of whatever Larry Summers is saying. I think we're going to be able to get a change in Medicare and a reduction in the cost of insulin. Insulin, if you know anybody who doubt diabetes or have a child or has it, doubt uh, shots during the week. I mean, it would be great if you could. It may not cost more than thirty-five dollars, and I'm still going to make three and a half times what they invested in insulin. But what, like, wasn't insulin what Joe Manchin's daughter was in on? Price gouging on insulin? Or was that EpiPen? I do, I do not believe Joe Biden that a recession can be avoided, but also... Is the Fed engineering it? Robert Reich has always been a touchy subject. Oh, it was EpiPens. But I want to hear what Lisa Haven has to say. This is from Restricted Republic. Oh yeah, I've been I've been cruising the bit shoot. Well, a 
Um, what graphics? ...has now begun at the White House, where many of Biden's staffers are now vacating the premise, leaving Biden a little nasty surprise. But before I get into the report, just a reminder, check out my... Did somebody shit on his pillow? If you guys do not have food storage, especially in light of what is going on today, we are in the middle of a food crisis, and there are many economists saying that this is about to get much worse. Wait, and she's she's doing the she's doing the macaroni and, and cheese kind of buckets or something, right? Prepare and have extra food on hand, and right now you can get one hundred and fifty dollars off of. We got us a doomsday prepper. Where's where's a uh, bingo card, guys? We may need one for her. Especially in light of what's going on, and it's got twenty five years shelf life. So check Some it out. Some dude told me like shelves were empty, and I'm like, where? Where are shelves empty? underway at the White House. You see, over the past couple of months, there has been multiple resignations and might I say way more. If I don't, I need I need to. So can somebody hook that up? Do you have that power star craving? Here we have ABCnews.com. Jen Psaki has left the White House. Obviously, she this was today. This was posted today, by the way. She's not very good, but I digress. Uh, that was obviously one of the big names leaving, but there's also been multiple just within these past couple of months. Here's Communist News Network politics. Biden advisor Cedric Richmond set to leave. The Ma'am, White do you House know what communist House means? California native leaves the White House for the State Department and staff. They're calling Reed. Well, I mean, just link to Dave's website. I would promote Echoplex, your Echoplex bingo card. Next month to serve as a spokesman at the State Department. Then we also have foxnews.com, White House rapid response. Don't don't turn in your bingo cards. Department role. And that was actually Mike Gwen who left. He left his post to join the <sighs> Treasury Department. <laughs> don't don't send your like, ooh, I was playing along with bingo on the Troll Patrol. Like they'd be like, what the fuck? I I don't know I don't know what, what Justin was playing for you. <laughs> but she we got bingo though. We got all of them. We also have here Mike. Oh, this this woman, this woman is going to hit all the bingos for Dave. Role, if you will, and here's the Hill.com White House Counsel Dana Ramus. I went to bit shoot for this. Here's another person exiting, and of course, right <laughs> we also have President Biden's press office for Chief of Staff Amanda Finney also departed from the White House amid, by the way, reports of a black staffer exiting. What is this black staffer exodus? You know, I had that story from some site, and I, I didn't do it one night. A black I don't know, like frustration among those who remain in the White House. Two fucking tickers. Their graphics look like shit. Come on. My graphics look amazing. Yours look like shit, ma'am. And also, like, let's let's talk about like your camera. You really need to white balance, but maybe you're going for like the sepia tone. They describe a work environment with little support from their superiors and fewer chances for promotion. The departments have been so pronounced that according to one current and one former White House official, some black gays have adopted a term for them, Blacksit. Now it goes on to state, the exodus has raised concern among outside observers who push for the diversification. I've got really dry pot, and that's all. Like, it's smoking up really fast. I got to, like, refill the whole... Blacksit. And I am concerned, said Spencer Overton, president of the Joint Center for... Yes, yes, Mox. 
if you like just stock up on on cans of, of food that you like, don't buy overpriced fucking bullshit from these grifting motherfuckers. Her her face is really blown out. Like the, the like seriously, you need to learn to white balance your camera, ma'am. Which tracks government staff's diversity. But who am I? Who am I to talk? She has probably got a hell of yeah, six thousand views on this video on BitChute. History to now have what they're calling a black sit from the White House. I ain't got six thousand views. Some concerns are as the I got six thousand views on a couple videos. Uh, well, I am having some concerns about lots of black staffers leaving the White House. Hmm. Very interesting. Why are you having concerns? ...of numbers, in my opinion, of people leaving all within a set of time. And I didn't even get into the staffers. I. It's right before the midterm election. It's summertime. There's usually a lot of turnover. They've been there a while. Like, like you're a year and a half into the presidency. Of course, there's going to be turnover. There's always... I've lived through enough presidencies now to know that turnover is a thing. You get really fucking burnt out. Doing that fucking job. And most people only make it a year or two. Uh, that have left over the past year. Yeah. Flash? I'm glad you asked. I would show you the com- I, like I would just take you to the comments on my videos on BitChute, but uh, I can't show most of them. They violate terms of service on, on Twitch. I do indeed. I upload to BitChute, Rumble, Odyssey... I'm everywhere and like fucking oh my god. But some I keep growing on BitChute. I'm up to like eighty followers or eighty subscribers, whatever they call it over there. <laughs> but like I think people I think people are hate watching me. I'm gonna I'm gonna admit it to you. Sixty-eight. I'm not quite to eighty yet. 60, but that's still, that blows my mind. Some, if you're on BitChute, go be the 69th subscriber. 68 subscribers. You guys, oh, if you want to troll, I bet that would be fun. Into the troll server it goes. The troll chat. Boom. Like I'm afraid to, I'm afraid to, I'm afraid to click on them because like, seriously, some of them are horrendous, absolutely horrendous. I love it. And like, I'll respond to a lot of them. Like I'm, it may not be for a couple of weeks, but then like, I'll just go and respond to people on bit shoot and have a lot of fucking fun. <laughs> Oh, God. I'm not as popular on Rumble. I don't know why. I don't know why they don't like me as much on Rumble. I don't I don't have 68 subscribers on Rumble. Uh, some of, like, my videos get, like, roughly the equivalent of Kyle Kalinske's views. Because, like, that's, that's the only other person I subscribe to is Kyle Kalinske. So I see his videos next to mine. Like, I have kind of a comparison. I'm like, hmm. That's cool. I I get like a hundred, two hundred. He gets a hundred, two hundred. Okay. Neat. Look, Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos. 
They agree on who is responsible for inflation. We are live on DLive right now. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I don't sometimes it kicks me off of there and like I haven't noticed that I I wasn't on DLive. <laughs> but yes, we're on like DLive, Mob Crush, Trovo. Every now and then you'll see somebody pop up in the in the chat. It's on one of those weird platforms and you're like, "What the fuck? Guy on a buffalo." Oh, I'm a, I'm assuming Elon and and Jeff Bezos agree that it is totally not them. The two richest men in the world appear to have teamed up against a common adversary. Rare to see Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos agree on things. The former is the richest man in the world with an estimated fortune of $209 billion as of June 14th. The second is the second richest man on the planet. His fortune is estimated at $126 billion. Musk and Bezos clash in particular in the conquest of space via their respective companies, SpaceX and Blue Origin. Did I get, did I click some clickbaity fucking headlines? Recently, the two tech tycoons seem to put aside their differences and their bickering on important topics. Last month, they agreed as we reported on a private sector solution to help solve San Francisco's homeless problem. Do not, whatever they suggest, don't do it. Convert Twitter San Francisco headquarters to homeless shelter since no one shows up anyways. That's not a bad idea. I'm a, I am always... I am always for taking over corporate buildings and turning them into homeless shelters. That's just a... Uh... Oh, it's the, it's the disinformation board. That's what they're teaming up on. I wish I had read this and known what they were going to say. The newly created disinformation board should review this tweet or maybe they need to form a non-sequitur board instead. Bezos commented after Biden said on May 13th that to bring... Inflation, uh, the wealthiest corporations pay their fair share. Okay, okay. I see what's going on here. The next day, Bezos criticized the Biden administration as the president sought to take credit for a deficit reduction. The former Amazon boss couldn't swallow this and pointed out the Democrats were trying to pump more stimulus into the economy as prices soared. I would love to know what stimulus they're trying to pump into the economy. Bezos doesn't seem to want to stop anymore. He seems to uh, like this new Biden opponent suit that Musk also likes to wear while consumers are still faced with inflation at its highest uh, for more than... Biden's a good punching bag. Oh my God, that's exactly what it was. Corporate America wanted to elect Biden just so he could be a punching bag for him. And he'd be like, come on, man, he'll take it and he'll try to appease them. He bows this down to them. fucked we're fucked we got a primary joe biden we 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 have to primary joe biden katie porter please i'm not high enough for this shit i do want to cover one other musk story before we move on and it's why he might have been acting really weird being transphobic Elon Musk's daughter files to change last name and no longer wants to be related to him. One of Elon Musk's children wants nothing to do with him and has filed legal docs to drop his famous last name. 
In fact, she's changing her full name and legally declaring her gender identity. The documents were filed in L.A. County by Xavier Musk. At least that was the name she was given at birth, but now, having turned 18 in April, she says she wants her name to be Vivian Jenna Wilson. In the docs, she says she wants to be recognized as female, but the name change isn't just about transitioning. There's clearly a rift with her dear old dad. Vivian lists her reason for the name change as a gender identity and the fact that I no longer wish, uh, no longer live with or wish to be related to my biological father in any way, shape, or form. This totally makes a lot of sense. Neither Elon or Vivian has previously said anything publicly about their relationship or her transition. Interestingly, though, back in December of 2020, Elon tweeted he supports the transgender community, but added, all these pronouns are an aesthetic nightmare. Uh, EMZ doesn't mention it, but he went on to tweet out several transphobic things later. A couple after it came out that Grimes was seeing Chelsea Manning, an American fucking hero. Fuck Elon. Fuck his aesthetic. Party in Texas. Exactly, Mox. But we also don't know how close he was to that kid. I don't know how many women that was. Like He's been married several times. He has multiple kids. I am not a fan of Elon Musk. I'm sorry if the internet's bouncing back and forth. That's weird. Like, it's... It's hanging pretty strong, but it's showing me red sometimes. Well, like, it's red right now, but it is a number that should handle the stream. So, I don't know. I don't know if you guys are having any trouble. We're going to move on to the Texas Republican Party. We watched the Proud Boys accost Dan Crenshaw. By the way, okay, as I mentioned Dan Crenshaw right now, for those of you who don't know, I would give anything to piss in Dan Crenshaw's open eye hole. Content warning. I actually found a picture of what it looks like. No way, did I not save it? I could have sworn I saved it. That's it. No, that's not it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I teased you guys. I ain't got no Dan Crenshaw eye for you. I wasn't far off, really. (laughs) Anyway, I'm completely off track. I think I ran everybody off with the pissing and Dan Crenshaw. Give me that eye, pussy, sir. Oh, God. At the Texas Republican Convention over the weekend, Dan Crenshaw 
Ooh, I would give anything to piss in his open uh, eye hole. Be that eye pussy, sir. He was accosted by the Proud Boys. I'm sorry I don't have the picture. I thought I fucking I thought I saved it. I've probably saved it to the wrong fo folder. That it's like it's saved. It's just in a different folder than what I usually like. It's not my downloads. I keep all this other random shit. Like I've got pictures of Crenshaw right here. There you go. There's your Dan Crenshaw picture. But it's, it's not the specific one because I use that for the for the story from last night. But as I was looking for a picture, as I was looking for a picture for this, because I want him to kind of, I want him to look like a little nervous or scared with the Proud Boys kind of looking over his shoulder. As I was looking for a picture of that, I saw a picture of him like with his eye patch up and I'm like, oh my God, that's what it looks like. How can we harness this new tool? Yeah, they fucking... So Cornyn, Senator John Cornyn from Texas got booed by the crowd at the Texas at the Texas Republican Convention. Dan Crenshaw was accosted by the Proud Boys at the Texas Republican Convention. This is the, the congressman from Texas and the senator from fucking Texas. I'm just saying there's something going on here. <laughs> oh God, did you post it? I I swear like I, I downloaded it. I don't know how you posted a picture in the chat though. Oh, you might have you might have posted a uh, a link to an image hosting site. Whisper it to me. I want to see this shit. You got to admit, I, I wasn't far off to not know what it looked like under there. I did a pretty good job. Having no idea what it would look like without the eye patch. They called him Eyepatch McCain. <laughs> but now, now the Texas Republicans have adopted a far-right platform rejecting Biden's election, reversing, uh, reserving the right to secede. Texas has agreed to a new resolution that shifts the party's platform even further to the right. Yeah, that's right. It was voted on over the weekend at the Texas GOP convention in Houston. And the new platform is, it's a lot. I'll give you the whole rundown here. It includes a rejection of President's win in the 2020 election. It also rebukes Republican Senator John Cornyn. Repeal of the Voting Rights Act. And his bipartisan efforts on gun legislation. And it calls for the Voting Rights Act of 1965 to be repealed. It goes on to agree to, quote, oppose all efforts to validate transgender identity. I am not high enough for this shit. Quote, abnormal life. I ain't got any in my bone. On top of that, it supports demolishing the Department of Education and promotes teaching students about what it calls humanity of the preborn child. Every single time I try to find common ground 
with a right winger. I'm like, all right, we we can abolish some government agencies. What do you what do you want to start with? It's always like the Department of Education, the EPA. I'm like, dude, what, why would we not start with the NSA, the FBI, the CIA? Let's cut the military significantly. Why? Why is the Department of Education on your list of things to cut? Oh, you don't like that schools can't teach like lost cause propaganda? Is that it? You want you want your textbooks to be uh, United Daughters of the Confederacy approved? CBS News political correspondent Caitlin Huey Burns joins us now from the White House. Hi, Caitlin. So. You know, these are not new issues, and for some on the far right, these have been, you know, talking points for a while. It's not the far right. It seems that there are enough in the Republican Party in Texas that also share some of these beliefs that it's now becoming their official stance. We need far more money in education. Texas is a red state, but how big of a shift does this signal for the party overall? Is there a chance this Texas platform could become the national GOP stance anytime soon? Well, Tanya, we have seen this view, this false view, questioning the 2020 election, really seeping into wide swaths. That's a very good point, Drake. We've watched over the past couple of months and seen that candidates running for uh, federal, state, and local offices uh, talking about these false claims about the election, actually getting elected or getting nominated, I should say, for the party in positions that could potentially have them in in places where they are overseeing elections in some cases. That is scary. Texas adopting this as a policy platform, as part of their platform. Uh, and you could, you know, dismiss some of this as, you know, far out fringe kinds of ideas, but they're I'm not, not dismissing it. It's the mainstream Republican Party. This is a kind of situation where, uh, you know, it is significant that John Cornyn spoke there over the Nixon weekend. did pass a more progressive agenda than Obama. Abso-fucking-lutely. This is the Republican Party of Texas, and you have the sitting U.S. senators from Texas and prominent members of the party coming to speak to uh, this uh, particular event shows the legitimacy of this group, of course, within the Republican Party. So we're not only seeing it in candidates running for office and getting nominated into positions in these primaries, but now we're starting to see uh, the party adopted into its platform. Hey, Slippery, do you want to talk to me? I take phone calls. The number is on the screen right now. There, right there. 917-830-4359. Or you can hop in the Discord with me. I take Discord voice chat. You just tell me that you're in the chat. It's the debate freaking channel. If you've got something to say, I would love to hear it. I'm a little tired, actually. Like, I'm probably, I'm not going to be myself. I'm not going to, I'm not going to yell at you. I'll just let you talk. No, I'll probably end up yelling at you and calling you an idiot. Kind of what I do. 
platform at the state level. Now, it is not clear whether this would, um, you know, be adopted at, at other states. But what we are seeing in the states is uh, this effort to um, really, you know, roll back or uh, curb voting access. And Texas, of course, was ground zero for that this cycle. So th- this is now the official platform of the Republican Party in Texas. But it, it's a little bit of a slippery concept because it's not like everyone who's a Republican in Texas stands up and swears to it. It's not like they print it out and you know tape it up next to their computer all day when they work. So the key. No, no, they're all in on it. Symbolism and how much of it actually affects the business of governance. And so to get specific on that question, Senator John Cornyn, as you mentioned, he's got these bipartisan efforts to come to some sort of an agreement on gun legislation to sort of ease the burden of mass shootings in this country. Now he's being uh, called out specifically in this platform. Could that stop him from completing these uh, efforts in Congress? Well, if you are someone like Cornyn and you've had a very successful run for statewide offices. I think Cornyn's still got, what, four fucking years? Well, and that's why he's been working in this group to kind of tout the things that Republicans were able to keep out of the bill. And he's been really trying to message this as something that does not infringe upon Second Amendment rights. Uh, so it is significant that he was booed. But whether it's a deterrent, you know, Cornyn is still part of these talks. Um, they are still, uh, you know, they, they talked over the weekend. They are uh, still making progress, getting towards some kind of legislation, even though they had trouble last week. Uh, but, you know, Cornyn is not up for re-election for a while. Uh, we are in the middle of primaries, so it could be difficult for others. But uh, proceeding with those talks as far as we know. All right. Caitlin Huey Byrne. The ghost of Hugo Chavez in China helped manipulate the vote. Exactly what happened. I think I got some Trump news coming up. You want some Trump news? Yeah, let's do some Trump news, dude. January 6th committee wants to talk to Mike Pence and may may subpoena him. I don't know why they haven't already. Members of the January 6th select committee said Sunday they may subpoena former Vice President Mike Pence. Uh, We would still, I think, like to have several high-profile people come before our committee. He said a Pence subpoena is certainly a possibility. The January 6th panel recently zeroed in on a scheme by former President Trump and his allies to pressure Pence to reject electors in order to overturn the 2020 election. January 6th hearings resume tomorrow. I'll do my best to broadcast them once again, no promise. Here is a former Watergate prosecutor saying that there's enough evidence to send Trump to the pokey for his scheme in Georgia. Relenting thirst for power, well, that was at the heart of both Watergate and the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. Both former presidents Richard Nixon and Donald Trump tried and failed to subvert democracy and the will of the American people. And the 50th anniversary of the Watergate break-in just happens to come as the January 6th committee presents its findings on Trump's involvement in the insurrection. But unlike Watergate, which set in motion the political demise of Richard Nixon, the January 6th attack has not vanquished Trump from political life. At least not yet. Trump continues to headline large rallies across MAGA country, and he's propped up by a slew of sycophants in Congress. 
In the summer of 1973, the Watergate hearings transfixed Americans as they collectively learned of Nixon's wrongdoings, and ultimately, they shunned him. But is America now just too divided for the January 6th hearings to have a similar impact? I have the perfect... If Nixon were still alive, they would have already rehabilitated him. He would have been on Ellen and shit. Nixon would not have been a pariah in the celebrity age of the USA. He died just a little too soon to see his rehabilitation. Couldn't have happened to a nicer guy person to ask this question. Joining me now is former federal prosecutor Nick Ackerman. Nick was also a member of the Watergate prosecution team. Nick Nick has a really weird Zoom background that makes his head look funny. About the scope of Nixon's misconduct emerged, he lost the support of even his most fervent defenders in Congress. Yet today, there are still a disturbingly large number of elected Republicans who support Donald Trump. How can you explain that happening? Well, I think it's explainable by the fact that our politics is so divided at this point. Mm. Um, Even back in the Watergate days, the Watergate Senate Committee, uh, there were Republican defenders that were on that committee, defenders of Nixon. um, And it wasn't until the tapes came out that people really changed their minds and that Republicans changed their minds and ultimately forced Nixon to resign. Uh, we're in a totally different situation right now. As you can see, Tuesday, 12 p.m. Eastern. Committee is basically presenting January 6 hearings uncovered over the past year. The Senate Select Committee was not so clear, uh, and it was really more of an ongoing investigation that the public kind of engaged in as it happened. And at the same time, uh, we had the appointment of Archibald Cox, who was the Watergate special prosecutor. The key there was that there was a accountability in the end. All of Nixon's aides were indicted. They were convicted. Uh, the only person who didn't go to prison was Richard Nixon because he was later That's a shame. by President Ford. So the real question today is whether Trump is going to be held accountable. Will he be indicted for federal crimes? And that's and that's an issue. The, like Nixon not going to jail is an issue. In that state. Those are the two two. Reagan not going to jail for Iran-Contra. That is an issue to this day. And speaking of which, I'm sorry, I left it off of the I left it off of the uh, uh, list for today. But I want to point out that Ollie North, Oliver North of Iran-Contra fame, is no longer the president of the NRA. Apparently, there's a whole to do there. But uh, I didn't even know he was president of the NRA. <laughs> I didn't know the NRA was still operating as as usual. I thought things were drastically different with the NRA now, but apparently not. And Ollie North is no longer the president of the NRA. Merrick, uh, Gar- go ahead. Sorry. Sorry, Nick, I just wanted to interrupt because you, you mentioned that you guys had tapes in the Nixon-Watergate situation. We have a tape, though, right? We have that tape of Donald Trump um, pressuring Brad Raffensperger. In your opinion, you don't think that that's going to be enough? Oh, I think that's enough. No, if you're asking okay. me which of the cases right now, which one is going to send Donald Trump to prison, that's the case. There's a really neat three-year felony in Georgia that Donald Trump has violated prosecutors love tape-recorded evidence because you can't cross-examine it. What is significant, though, with those tapes is 
is that when you put it in the context of all of the evidence that the January 6th committee has uncovered, you put that together, Donald Trump has zero defense in Georgia. If I had to put my money on one prosecution that's going to go forward here that will send Donald Trump to jail, it's Georgia. Uh, no question about it. The only defense he's got there is trying to somehow pick up on some ambiguity and the tape that he didn't really mean what he said. But once you look at what he said, trying to get Brad Raffensperger to come up with extra votes to make him the winner in Georgia and put that. But in he the- said it like mafia style and like you're like, you can't deny it. Case beyond a reasonable doubt. Nick. Nick Ackerman, I always... Like, he says every fucking thing. love to have you back, and we thank you for being with us this morning. Thank you. I... They've got a million things they could get him on, but they, they are not going to get him on anything because rich people don't pay any, any consequences in this country. It's just the way it is. This dude's going to have... He's going to face some consequences. Video shows a driver plow through a Trump-themed storefront. Enjoy. There's a there's a blue uh, blue lives matter flag, yeah yeah yeah. He took. Uh, I, hopefully, no one was hurt. I don't see anybody. In the path of the car. The video itself is only like five seconds. They keep repeating it. Surveillance video shows the moment a driver plowed his Volkswagen Jetta into a Massachusetts store that sells merchandise in support of former President Donald Trump. A whole fucking store. A whole fucking store. According to the Easton, Massachusetts Police Department, officers responded Thursday afternoon to the New England for Trump store. Where a man had crashed. Video from inside the store shows the car fly through the glass storefront and land in the middle of the store, sending merchandise sailing. Video also shows an employee arranging merchandise in the inside the store when it happened. The worker was not injured. Carla Kelly, a store employee, told Fox Business, "Ooh, can we? Do we have video of this?" That is not what that is. God damn it. There's the video of the crash again. Oh, nuts. Carla Kelly, a store employee, told Fox Business that after the crash, the man, 46-year-old Sean Flattery, said the voices in his head told him to do it. Flattery was taken to a local hospital and treated for non-life-threatening injuries. He's lucky that he wasn't injured. Facing charges of reckless operation of a motor vehicle and malicious destruction of property. Police are also asking the state to revoke Flattery's license. According to the New England for Trump website, the store is not affiliated with the former president or his campaign. Here's the part that I've, I've been dreading doing. 
Content warning. Prepare to get mad. Uvalde police never attempted to open doors to the classroom with the shooter inside. According to a new report, surveillance video seems to indicate that officers did not try the doors to see if they were unlocked. And apparently, they were indeed unlocked. They weren't like, we've been lied to this entire time that the door wasn't even locked. They said it locked from the inside. And that was a lie. That's not true. According to the San Antonio News Express, surveillance footage seems to indicate that neither Uvalde Consolidated Independent School District Police Chief Pete Arredondo nor any other officer ever attempted to open the door where the gunman held two classrooms full of children and that one door, one of the doors may have been unlocked the whole time. Here's another one for you. Here's another one for you. Officers had rifles and shields 19 minutes after the gunman arrived, but waited an hour to breach the class. Police with rifles and at least one ballistic shield arrived to the scene of the mass shooting in Uvalde, Texas, minutes, minutes after the gunman but waited more than an hour in a nearby hallway before engaging him. New documents and video footage reveals. The footage shows officers becoming impatient, hearing gunshots inside as they deliberate over what to, uh, whether to go after Salvador Ramos, the Austin American statesman reports. So here you're seeing one of the steals showing an officer with a rifle and shield. Here's another one with a rifle. Ramos, who was killed during the eventual police raid, entered Robb Elementary School at 11.33 a.m. According to the evidence, the most detailed look yet at the flawed law enforcement response to the shooting. 19 minutes later, the first of multiple officers with ballistic shields joined police massed near the classroom where the 18-year-old gunman had barricaded himself. If there's a kid in there, we need to go in, one officer can be heard saying, according to the new information, which is part of an investigation by state authorities into what went wrong at Uvalde. Once again, you can see the picture here. Another responded, whoever is in charge will determine that. That order to engage didn't come until nearly an hour and a half after Ramos arrived on campus and shot 19 students and two teachers. The new trove of information, which is expected to be presented to legislators during a Tuesday hearing in the Texas Senate, also captures the role of Pete Arredondo, the chief of, poli- of the chief of the school district's police force, in the unfolding chaos of the 24th of May shooting. Seven minutes after Ramos entered the building, Chief Arredondo called the Uvalde Police Department on a landline to alert them about the shooting. It's an emergency right now, he said. We do have the local reporting on the release of information earlier today. It's a pretty detailed report, I think. Here we got four minutes. About the timeline of the school shooting in Uvalde and the resources police had available. Fuck KBC these cops. Tony Blahetsky joins us now. And Tony, you sat down with law enforcement and were able to review surveillance video and body camera video from inside the school. 
and Brian and Quita, what we know at this point is that within 19 minutes of officers arriving at that school, they had rifles as well as ballistic shields that in the minds of some people cowards viewing the evidence in this case would have given officials enough ability to take down that shooter keep in mind that almost an hour passed before they then went inside let me make it very clear that in my mind the cop's job if you've got a fucking handgun and you're up against a shooter with a fucking rifle i don't care Apparently, the protocol is for two or more cops. If you have two or more cops, you are to engage the shooter. I'm not sure if that's true, but that is what I've heard throughout this incident. I don't... I don't... If you've got fucking shields and rivals, what the fuck is your problem? Holy shit, what more do you need? I... That classroom and found the bodies of those 19 children and two teachers, as well as taking down the gunman. Of course, this raises new questions about the police response, what they were armed with at the time, and why they did not act sooner. There is a lot of new information in this case, as well as a new timeline that investigators have put together. And Brian and Quita, much of this information is actually going to be. They lied to us from 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 hour one of this happening. They have lied to us from the very beginning. As well as members of the public about what happened that terrible day. And Tony, what we saw there was a screenshot of that video that's going to be presented. Is that correct? Quinn and Brian, it's unclear the entirety of... Hopefully we actually get to see video tomorrow. You mentioned I have seen some of the video uh, evidence in this case, uh, was able to watch some of this video information. And again, the video, the screen grab that we have, uh, does show some officers with rifles as well as a shield a ballistic shield again this screen grab was taken at 11:52 in the morning on may 24th this screen grab again showing the officer at least one officer although there were several with assault rifles and and other uh weapons as well and then on and like let's be clear there's not even a classroom here in the immediate area they are down the hall they are down the hall. I am assuming the classroom where the shooter is is through this set of doors. It's a whole other corridor. Cowards. The bottom of your screen, sort of to the right there, you can see one officer does have a ballistic shield. Again, this was about 19 minutes. Looking at the timeline, this was about 19 minutes from the time that the gunman entered the school at 11.33 in the morning. But again, Quida and Brian, about 58 minutes passed from the moment this screen grab was taken to the time that officials ultimately in law enforcement... A solid hour! I'm sorry, just shy, not a solid, not a solid hour. Just shy of a fucking hour! ultimately made entry into that classroom. There is other information that we are going to be hearing uh, tomorrow as well, including a transcription of the Uvalde School District Police 
uh, chief, Pete Arredondo, whose name we've all become familiar with. We've been able to review a transcript of a call that he made to the Uvalde Police Department at 1140 in the morning, essentially saying, send everything you can, send all the weapons you can, send all the personnel that you can. I'm sorry, Stark Raving. Uh, transcript of, of Pete Arredondo. It just keeps getting worse every day. The more we learn about this. Times, um, he was trying. I don't know. Prepare yourself for what is going to come out tomorrow. Many people have speculated that it is possible these motherfuckers shot a kid. I'm hoping that's not true because it looks like they're not even attempting to do anything. So they couldn't have possibly shot a kid. But several people have speculated that that's what they're trying to cover up. That they're incompetent. We know that they got a kid shot. But that they're, they're, they are still covering up beyond that. So did they shoot a kid? But I mean, from the, from the picture that we see, they're nowhere near fucking kids. Nowhere near them. So I don't know. I don't know. They have hired a law firm to try to prevent us from knowing what's going on. And that infuriates me. Before we move on, I got to make my joke. Ha ha ha. Remember kids, shoot up drugs, not schools. Law firm representing Uvalde cites Texas government code to withhold release of shooting information. On Thursday, a private law firm hired by the city of Uvalde and Uvalde police released a 15-day brief that was sent to the Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton, who was under his own investigation regarding the release of information surrounding the city's May 24th school shooting. In the brief, Denton Navarro, Rocho, Virtual, and Zek PC said that the 148 open records requests were made between uh, May 25th and June 8th. These requests included body camera footage, 911 calls, photos, and more, which should all be fucking public. Many of the requests were deemed subject to the exception from disclosure, according to the city, through the an open requ- records request made after the shooting. KXAN requested the 911 recordings, computer-aided dispatch report, and transcription of calls made surrounding the shooting. None of the requested records have been provided. In the letter to Paxton, the law firm said the city of Uvalde has not voluntarily released any information to the public. Fuck them cops. Alright, now I've, I've got just a couple of random crime stories for you. Just because I was interested and they sounded like interesting headlines. Three sovereign citizens arrested in California. Compound raid nets guns and explosives. As I said in the billboard for the story, um, depends on what side they're on. You know, what are you going to do with those explosives? Are you are you committing industrial sabotage? I might be on your side. If you're trying to hurt innocent people, I'm totally not on your side. However, if you're calling yourself a sovereign citizen, you're probably not on the same side as I am. So I'm just saying, this is probably a good thing. 
Two men and a woman who claimed to be sovereign citizens were arrested Saturday morning after explosives and live ammunition were found in both a vehicle the men were driving and at their isolated compound. According to the San Bernardino County uh, Sheriff's Department, we're going down to San Bernardino. According to the Southern Poverty Law Center, self-proclaimed sovereign citizens consider themselves exempt from U.S. law because they do not recognize the federal government's jurisdiction. It gets it gets way fucking crazier than that. This whole thing about like your name being written in capital letters with like maritime law and shit. Like, holy fuck, these people are stupid. But if you want more of that, you go you go over to Echoplex. They'll give you more of that. A deputy conducting a traffic stop near Joshua Tree National Park stopped a Ford Taurus for unspecified suspected vehicle code violations. I'm probably not into that. Just stopping somebody for no fucking reason. Hey, I'm not... Even if you did the world a favor by taking these thugs off the street, I'm not into the cops just stopping people willy-nilly. All nimbly bimbly up in here. A deputy conducting a traffic stop near Joshua Tree National Park stopped a Ford Taurus. The driver identified as 46-year-old David Russell and his passenger, 50-year-old Jeffrey Russell, informed the deputy that they were sovereign citizens. Authorities said a records check indicated that neither man is allowed to possess or own a firearm. Surprise, surprise. Informed the deputy that they were sovereign citizens. Authorities said a records check indicated... Oh, I've already... had. Did they repeat that or did I repeat that? I repeated that. The explosive device was disposed of safely. The Sheriff's Department confirmed. After obtaining a search warrant for the Johnson Valley property on which the Russells reside, deputies discovered additional military-grade explosives and ammunitions as well as firearms, the network reported. A woman at the compound identified as 54-year-old Venus Mooney was also arrested at the compound. All three were arrested for possession of an explosive device and possession of a controlled substance while armed. They didn't say what the controlled substance was. I'm going to throw up the content warning again. I don't I don't know what's going on here. This is this has been a pretty big story though. The college hazing incident. It happened, I believe it was in the South. Yeah, this happened in Missouri's Phi Gamma Delta chapter. We have video of it. Video of this hazing incident. This appears to be a security camera from inside a hotel. College freshman almost dies after hazing incident. First of all, it's fucking June. Why Why are we doing a hazing incident right now? What's going on? This might have this might have happened uh, months back, and we're just now seeing the footage from it. It's chilling surveillance video of college freshmen paralyzed and blind for life. Oh God! Marched downstairs, blindfolded. It happened at the University of Missouri's Phi Gamma Delta. For kids, college is a lot of fun, and you don't have to do this shit to do it. I, here's the thing with the thing with a sorority and a, uh, a fraternity is it's an easy way to make friends when you first get there. Cause I will tell you having done it twice now, your first year, your second year at a college, uh, like you can be a little lonely. You don't know that many people. You haven't found your click. You'll find your click though. You'll find your click. 
just just go go do the shit like you know i had to go join philosophy club and i had to be around the people in the broadcasting department you don't have to do this sh- this shit's fucked up i i i'm i'm not wanting to find out what they did to him fraternity house and if you think this was a no big deal pledge night ritual look what happened to danny santuli that's Danny in the green blindfold. I'm so sorry, Danny. Oh, God. Walk, talk, or see. I'm sad for him. You know, just what he went through that night, and he didn't deserve it. The extraordinary video released to Inside Edition by the family's lawyer shows the tragic timeline. 9.55 p.m., you can see Danny inside the fraternity house carrying a bottle of vodka. His family says he was told to finish the bottle before the night was over. 10.22 p.m., Danny is still trying to finish off the bottle. A frat brother pours beer into Danny's mouth with a funnel. Oh, God damn. 10.55 p.m., Danny falls over. Some frat brother dude. him out of the room and drop him on a couch. Oh, God. 8 a.m., Danny slides off the couch head first. Oh. 3 a.m. After apparently checking for a pulse, the frat boys lift Danny off the couch and carry him out, but they accidentally drop him on his head. By the time oh, it was too late, Danny wasn't breathing and his heart had stopped. His blood alcohol level was an extraordinary six times the legal limit. Doctors managed to revive him and placed him. My God. I spoke to Danny's dad and sister. It's the nightmare call that no parent wants to get. Oh, my, my God, it's the worst thing you can ever hear. I mean, my wife was hyperventilating. Oh, my fuck! Tubes everywhere, the, the machines beeping every time. And like, I, like, I don't think I have younger people in my audience, but if I do, and you go to college, like, find your people so that you have, when you're, when you're doing the alcohol thing, you're doing the drug thing, and you're experimenting, it's all good, and it's the same thing with sex. Have experienced people that you really trust around you. Don't do drugs with people that you don't really know. Don't get fucking sloppy-ass blackout drunk with people you don't know. Oh my god. You've got to trust the people you're doing that kind of shit with. I I don't... I, I know people that have had fantastic times in frats and sororities... I don't personally recommend them. Fuck. Two seconds and poor fucking kid. Running in and out. Danny's older sister Meredith also. I'm so sorry, Danny. You got awesome sunglasses. To see some of the young men involved still on campus. I am honestly disgusted that they. I'm amazed they're not facing charges. When they almost yes, yes, it was star craving. Yes, family shared these touching home movies with us. That's how they want to remember him, rather than what's on that disturbing pledge night video. This is without a doubt the worst fraternity hazing injury case that there's ever been in the United States. Uh, it couldn't be any worse, and have someone still be alive. Two members of the fraternity have been charged with felony hazing. The okay, there we go. Fraternity says Danny should not have been put in this situation. They add that they prohibit hazing and prohibit giving alcohol to minors. They also say that chapter is now closed. Oof. 
I'm sorry to throw that one on you guys. That is wild. Let me give you something a little more lighthearted. Let me give you something a little more. He is alive. But I don't, like... He's alive, but, like, does he have... Yeah, technically alive. Oh. He must have some sort of brain function, though, or they wouldn't, like... You know, he wouldn't be out... Out of the hospital. But he is indeed permanently disabled. He wasn't vegetative because we, we we saw a picture of him, you know, like out and about. So the I give to you a bear. Oh, he can talk and speak. Oh, he can't talk. He can't speak. But, like, he must be cognizant or, you know, otherwise, like, he wouldn't be out. Out and about. I feel so sorry for him. Don't join, don't join frats, kids. All right, all right. Here we go. This is, this is a little more whimsical. We're going to watch a bear break into a home in Connecticut. Winstead resident came home to a bear inside her kitchen. Another, Can you imagine. I know, and look at this bear outside the window here. Unreal. Another bear in Canton had to be euthanized after several. I d- no! Why you do this to me? I was like, that bear looks cute. I'd cuddle with that bear. Talk to the woman from Winstead after that encounter. That woman tells us she's used to seeing bears around her yard in Winstead, but this was the first time she came home to find one inside her house. Pulled up, didn't think anything out of the norm. My cat was sitting right here. I'm sorry, I don't watch this shit beforehand. Davis says it was the way her cat was acting that made her realize there might be something. The the headline I see this says bear, bear breaks into Winstead home, but the headline I saw was like bear breaks into home for tasty treat. I thought we were getting some kind of Winnie the Pooh kind of shit, but also the bear looked very young. So hopefully nothing happens to this bear. Nothing going on inside her home. It was just a weird look on the cat. Like I, I, so I looked at the window, didn't even know the screen was out, and I just saw a shadow. My cats are always giving me weird looks. The shadow was from this guy. See, look. His way through that window and into Shannon's kitchen. She took out her phone and got this. No. Oh. It was almost like, what's for dinner? <laughs> Shannon ran down. He's so adorable. For help. He started banging on that door over there. The bear went in my room and climbed out my window. Crawl out the back window, figuring he was going to get out that way. And he could, you know. So he decided to come back out. The bear. Oh, he could, he could make it through the door? Back door? As for damage left behind, there wasn't much. There was a lollipop stuck to the rug. Um, it pulled out the snack tray. We yeah, the bear's just the hungry. Only a yellow package of vanilla crackers, those vanilla wafers, and uh, the, um, those dots. That was it. The Department of Energy and Environmental Protection. Oh, look at him in the pool. Has been steadily growing every year in the state, but this year they've well, twenty percent increase in their calls for bear issues. This is a pretty big increase for us. Justin Canton yesterday, a bear was euthanized after DEEP officials no! were attempting to break into homes. Four of its cubs were tranquilized, 
One did not recover from sedation. The biggest thing. We the saw. fuck you just out of here, fucking like. Bears are attracted to food, so. The, the bear population recovering. Don't have a reason to come into. Is a feel-good story. You out here being a cop? A cab means that motherfucker too. That animal control officer. Fuck you, dude. You're a bastard out here killing bears. Fuck off. Uh, well, I'm glad, I'm glad I had another animal story. I'm glad I had a fucking animal story. Like, like, yeah, 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 I, fuck that cop. You're, you're in the bear's habitat. You put up with the bears. And that bear that was in the woman's home, he looked cute. He looked like he was a baby bear. Fucking humans indeed. Well, here, here you go. Here's something better than humans. We are going to watch these cats who have never had catnip before. Everyone is female except Tribe, and he's the youngest, apparently. They have never had catnip before. I do believe they like it. Not all cats like it. Some cats don't even care. He just got up from it. I like this dude. What do, what do you want Nips to do? Or <laughs> It's genetic if they like it or not. Interesting. Smokey and Socks really like it. Maynard is like, he wants a little bit of it, but like he, he don't fucking stick with it. He moves on pretty fast. He'll, he'll give him a little nip. He'll give him a little nip. Up. Kind of like the way I did crack with the crackhead. Like she, she'd be like, hey, Justin, come in here. And I'd like, I'd hit it. And then I'd go in. I'd play video games for hours while she was still in the bathroom smoking crack. But two or three hours later, she'd be like, hey, Justin, come in here. I'd go in there. I'd have a hit of crack. I mean, if you're just going to... If somebody's smoking it there, you're going to hit it, right? At least I would. I mean, I don't know if I would now. I don't like, like, it always gave me a weird feeling. Weirdest fucking drug. Crack is whack, y'all. Crack is whack. Oh, yeah, these cats are cracking me up. You know who's a cat that really cracks me up? Her name is Media Winch. Oh, shit. Wait, what? Uh, I'm wrong. It is not. It's 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 not Media Winch. It is producer Dave. Am I? Is it Monday? It is Monday, right? Oh, it is Dave. Have I tried meth? Yes. I've got stories about. Okay. One year I went to the uh, in NASCAR. 
They started racing at the, you know, at the Brickyard where they hold the Indianapolis 400 or the Indianapolis 500. They held the Brickyard 400 in NASCAR. And I went, I went to, I went to that, uh, that race one year and we did meth all weekend. And like, that's how like, you know, I was able to like do everything there at the racetrack. And it was a lot of fucking fun. We had a blast. But on Monday, I had to come back to my job as news director uh, for a radio station in East Kentucky. And on Monday morning, I had to go to a Mitch McConnell speech. And I fell asleep, like in the like in the front, with like my recorder and everything. Just fall the fuck asleep after having done meth all fucking weekend at a NASCAR race. I mean, I've, 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 I've told everybody about my dad, like, being, a, like, you know, a, like, a druggie, but, like, he was a high-functioning druggie. I didn't, I, I don't know if I said this yesterday during the, like, I, I, I made a lot of, like, comments about my dad, but, like, he was, he was a blaster. He blew up fucking mountains. High as fuck most of the time. Blow, handling large explosives. Blowing up goddamn mountains. High as fuck. Fuck, dude loved a speedball. <laughs> yeah, I talked about my dad last night on uh, on stream. So like, I've d- I've done like every fucking drug just because it's just been there. It's just been there in front of me. I've done coke with my dad, and my dad like would sweat profusely and and turn up the air conditioning and shit. I'd be over in the side just like fucking freezing my ass off. For some reason, I've done a lot of meth and gone to a lot of NASCAR races. Because I got another, I got other stories about doing meth at uh, Bristol Motor Speedway. When we went to Talladega, I we had like a fucking 150 uh, Percocets or something. And 20 cases of beer and fucking however many fucking ounces of pot we took. We didn't have any hard drugs that time. Other, well, other than the pills. And good thing, because I fucking needed those fucking pills. Because here's the deal is. They had a, they had a dirt track race next to uh, the campgrounds where we were staying. So we hopped the fence to go to the dirt track. And I krilled my ankle really fucking bad. And I was able to still go, like, that night. And I was like, oh, fuck, I'm going to feel this in the morning. And I did. My ankle swelled the fuck up. That night, fucking, I went on like nothing actually happened. I'm like, is that going to be bad in the morning? And it sure as fuck was. Also, if I have a kid, it's 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 there. It's I impregnated a woman at Talladega. God damn, I shouldn't say that on video where there's like evidence of it. (laughs) Oh, fuck. I'm already naturally hyper, so I'm not really doing I'm not really doing any any stimulants. I like stimulants like I like to do Molly and have have like really kinky sex. But, like, my dick don't get hard on Molly now that I'm older, so... 
what's the what's the point? So I haven't done hard drive. I actually I actually had a dude I hooked up with on Grinder. He came over and he was older. He was like fifty something. I think I so I think I showed Curiouser his dick. He he was sexy. Uh he brought Coke over. Also, like he was some like he was some high ranking health official. And like he lectured me on getting on prep and shit. Yeah, he had a nice dick. He like he gave me a whole lecture about getting on prep and yada yada, like all that good shit. I felt like I got a health checkup. But he did he did coke in my bathroom and he offered some to me. I'm like, oh, I, I haven't seen coke in forever. <clears throat> I've got the I've got the story of uh, me having to go interview uh, cops high as fuck on cocaine. I apparently they give prep out free at the local clinic or some shit. And like, yes, I probably should get on it. Given, given my history and like, I don't do much now. I'm pretty much a homebody. I don't leave my couch. I play my video games. I talk to you guys. This is my social interaction. It's kind of sad. Well, other than sparkles, you guys see sparkles come over. We go out to dinner. We went to firehouse. I'm a, I'm the fire chief. You guys were, if you guys were unaware, I'm the fire chief. Don't make me go get my hat. I'm the fire chief. Chief queef motherfuckers. I don't even know. I don't know what producer Dave's even watching over here. I assume it is meltdown kind of content. It's some kind of city council or some board or some shit. He may have moved on since I pulled it up because I've been, I've just been yakking away over here. We probably spent 23, this whole show, we've gone what? Three hours. This has been a three hour show and at least an hour of it, hour and a half of it has just been me rambling the Shasta County, city county shit, city county shit, the city county shit, the city council shit. That's what I meant to say city council. And I said, shitty county, shitty county. God damn. As goes Shasta County goes the rest of the boards of supervisors in the country. In case you were unaware. I don't know who else is on. I'll drum. Don't, 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 uh, don't tempt me. I'll drop, I'll drop you on a uh, Trump clone. You can ask Trump questions and shit. I'm just saying, no, I'm like, my sister network is Echoplex Media. You're going to Echoplex Media. We go to Echoplex Media around here. You will go to Echoplex Media. 
go to X. Maybe I'll jump on with producer Dave. I'm feeling frisky right now, but I'm also really fucking hungry. My tummy been rumbling. I had a big old bowl of spaghetti before I started. Like that's that's like fucking Alex Jones. I had a big old bowl of chili. I got my own. I got a big old bowl of spaghetti before I did the show. My spaghetti was badass. He, I fried my uh, Italian sausage in my big ass like wok skillet. It's also like a it's a it's a deep fry pan. And it's also like a wok skillet. So I fried my Italian sausage in there, and then I made the sauce in the in the sausage, and and like everything cooked in in the in the pot. And I threw the noodles in the the pan with the sauce, and like it just it worked so much better. Everything just came together so much better. It's a much better sauce. Much deeper, richer flavor. And I'm sad. I'm talking uh, about that spaghetti right now. I do not have any of that spaghetti left. I ate the last bowl of it before I got on here with you guys. I'm going to miss that spaghetti. I really want some chocolate milk. I'm going to go have some chocolate milk. It looks like the internet's taking a shit, too. All right. If you're watching on Twitch, you're heading over to Echoplex Media. We're going to go say hey to producer Dave. I don't even know. Like, I guess it's Meltdown Monday. I don't know what he's calling it. It might already be like the night, night Twitch is the right Twitch. R.I.P. Spaghetti. Go ahead. Light one up. Tip one back. It's all right to have a little fun before you hit the sack. I'm Justin Freakin. We'll see you tomorrow night on the Troll Patrol. Maybe for the January 6th during the afternoon. Maybe not. Depends on when I get up. Peace out, bitches.